What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is Muscle, and this is another Two Line Music Huts Entertainment Report podcast. And today, we have a multi-genre music producer, a DJ, a recording artist, and the maestro from Brooklyn, New York. You know we have in the building today? We have Ricky Blaze in the building today. What's going on, big brother? We have some muscle. Thank you for having me today on the program. Definitely representing from New York City, Brooklyn. And my name is Ricky Blaze. <laughs> Definitely, if they didn't know that, they would know that from listening to all your productions, that's usually the first thing you hear in the production. My name is Ricky Blaze. Yes, sir. Where the my name is Ricky Blaze came from, it was just um, just me wanting to like just leave the fans with the impression and just. <laughs> If you ain't remember nothing else in the song, you'll remember my name. <laughs> so, and it was just a spirit of moment thing. The beat, the beat was about to drop, and I just did it. My name is Ricky Blaze. And we just kept that. And I was just like, you know what? I should just intro my, my production as a producer as that too. A lot of times, artists, the best ideas artists. are the spur of the moment ones. Those ones that just come up out of the blue, those are sometimes the best ones. Very true. Very true. You get it. We like to go right from the beginning and then bring it right up to 2023. So I know you were born in Brooklyn East Flatbush. Yes, sir. East Flat. What was it like growing up in East Flatbush at that time there? I don't know. It was cool. I mean, um, the area that I grew up in, East Flatbush, is highly populated by like Caribbean people, from Jamaicans to Trinidadians to Haitians. So it's like a, like a Caribbean melting pot, you know, just different cultures. So it was good, man. It was cool. Um, I would say, like you know, my mom, my family, them. Cause my mom and my dad is Jamaican, so I would say, like my family, like you know, we grew up around the culture, and guess everything was like just Jamaican heavy, you know, Jamaican grounded. So yeah, it was cool, man. It was a good vibe. Grew up on a lot of music, dancing a lot in the house, having fun, and just getting the tasting the tastings of different genres of music and, and vibe, you know? Mm -hmm. And you have, did you grow up with any brothers and sisters? You're the oldest, youngest, if so? Um, I'm the oldest. So mm -hmm. I have a brother and sister on my mom's side. And then I have two brothers and a sister on my dad's side. Mm -hmm. But I'm the oldest of, of them all. <laughs> and what was it like growing up being the oldest? Because remember now, you're basically, you're influencing everybody else at this time. There's nobody really influencing you per se. What was it like being the oldest one growing up at that time? Well, all right. So before mom, because you know, I lived with my mom. So before, before my mom had my brother and my sister, there was my, I had a, I have a younger aunt. She's about, Teddy's about two or three years old, younger than me. And then I have a mm -hmm. uncle 
that's about four years older than me. So while we was growing up, my uncle was the oldest, and then it was me, and then my aunt. Mm-hmm. So that's how we grew up. We grew up like brothers and sisters. And yeah, that was the vibe through the house. And then when I when I got a when I got a little older, and then you know, because at first I was it's a whole bunch of us in the house, so. Um, I was living with my, my uncle and my aunt. Mm-hmm. And then when I got a little older, my mom branched out. And then that's when my my younger sister came into play. And then my brother after that. So, yeah, it was good. It was cool. I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't looked at the old I wasn't looked at as the oldest growing up because my uncle was there. So, you know, growing up in the house. It was just, uh, we didn't, we didn't even have that alpha vibe. We just, <laughs> so I was growing up and just learning from each other and just, <laughs> just going along with the punches. So, uh, you know, I, hundred percent. What did you think you were going to get into growing up back then? Do you probably thinking about lawyer, pilot, doctor, engineer? What do you think you were going to get into when you're growing up? Well, you know, the Caribbean thing, you know, you have to go to school. I had to go to school and become a nurse or a doctor or a policeman. <laughs> like, um, for me, I, I always, always had a, I, 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 I had a thing for music. I always had a thing for music. I didn't know what I was going to do in music yet because, you know, music to, to, to Caribbean parents was just like, I was just like uh, uh, <laughs> a dream. <laughs> but they didn't Crazy. look at it as a real, a real, uh, um, a real criteria that you could uh, make money from. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I didn't know what I was going to do in music yet, but I knew I was going to do something pertaining to music. Um, Cause yeah, the love was real. Growing up, I was collecting records. I was just into music, like heavy, heavy. Just. Mm-hmm. And at that point, when I was younger, there was more of the the sound selecting part. You know, okay. um, I would go to like barbecues. I would go to other kids' birthday parties, and you would see this setup. You know, you would see like this setup of like, you know, you had the racks and then you had the, the DJ coffin with the turntables and then the gooseneck lights coming out of it. And you're just there like, wow. And then you look yeah. over and then, you know, you have that. And then you, you like, so you have the coffins and and, and all that setup there with the turntables and everything. And then some wires running to another mountain of speakers. It's mm-hmm. just... And everything is doing its job, but in its own way. You have the big speakers playing, you have the mid speakers, they have the tweeters or the horns, you know. Mm-hmm. So it just came from that school and that and that and that era of like just fascination, like, wow, what is this? What am I what am I what am I what am I taking in right now? You know? So that that's where it started at for me. Mm-hmm. The love of it, 
And then, so you right. say it was a sound system itself. Looking at the the music coming through this big sound system is what fascinated you in the first place. Yeah, mm-hmm. the crates and just just seeing the whole process from the man that bring the sound system and and they moving each each speaker each piece of it to then like unhooking it and you know wiring it up and then and then and then giving it the test run to make sure everything is aligned right so your first your baseline <laughs> not here no nothing else you just hear <laughs> it's that what's going on right now <laughs> and then they'll turn off that and you just hear the mids playing it's so you just hear that through the mids for a section of time and then they'll turn that off and then you'll just you just hear the tweeters it's just cool you know just seeing the process of how they grow up the whole energy together mm-hmm. and then you'll just and then after that they'll just play everything together we're hearing everything clean mm-hmm. that even if you leave the party for blocks you'll be hearing the music same way <laughs> right through right time you get, get into like a into like your house or away from the music your body is still jittery from the bass line <laughs> <laughs> those are those were the those were the, 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 the things that like fascinated me with music. So mm-hmm. after that, after, after getting those encounterments, then I was like, you know what? I have to create, I have to collect records. So then I started mm-hmm. to collect records. My first rhythm that I bought on 45 was the Brookout rhythm. Okay. Big up Madhouse and Dave Kelly there. Of course, yo, Dave Kelly, the general, the Kelly from general, Kelly, Tony Kelly, um, Lionel Robbie, um, um, uh, Computer Paul, like, yeah, but a lot of great music producers, like, 100%. This called the Sounder. Of, of reggae dance hall. Mm-hmm. Even then, so what was the first artistic thing that you discovered about yourself, creativity? Because you do so many different aspects of things that it, it's wild. So what was the first thing you discovered about yourself? So the first thing, I would say, it would be like, how fast I started picking up on playing music. Because at mm. this point of time, I wasn't a producer. I wasn't an artist somewhere that I, I had no, no part of the game, game yet. So mm. at this point, I was just learning records, learning music, learning what moved crowds. You know what I mean? Mm. What different sounds and styles and songs move crowds of people. You know, so like I would, I would be be paying attention to like like disco, disco music, and and um and um souls, 
souls and I just wanna say thank you for thank you. Like them type of tunes you had to know songs like that, you know, mm. to be looked at as a selector, you know. It wasn't just about like followers and yeah, I got a million followers. Oh yeah, man, my big soul man. It was really about you had to know music, you had to have songs. Because at that time it wasn't it wasn't like it wasn't like it wasn't so easy to access music, meaning like you couldn't just go get a song out of a record shop like that. You might go there and get like probably like three or four songs off of the rhythm. You know what I mean? And then the Martinez said uh, the other three or four songs will happen with it itself. So hmm. well, you had to figure out, you know, juggle. So it was it was not only knowing the records, but having them also. That was the ways that you showed DJs, other DJs that like you met business and you know you was mm -hmm. about what you said, you know. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just it wasn't just talking it, but being it too, you know, having 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 a backup to to your talk, you know? and that was the records. That was like you know having the the records from the forty fives to the twelve inches. And if you had dub plates, you was holding. Hundred percent. What was your what was your DJ name back then? Um so for the first couple of years of my DJ career, I went by the name Poochie Killer. DJ Poochie Killer was my name. Cause Poochie was my nickname that my mom gave me. Yeah. I was, I was her first child, so like, you know, so it went from being a house pet name to mm -hmm. her like staying from the front of the house and I ball up in near blocks away. <laughs> so then now the off, the whole block now is hearing her calling me. And then like, why like, oh, that's your name? Poochie, I nigga. What up, Poochie? What up, nigga? <laughs> so, so that went on a few years and then when I met my when I met my manager at that time, Kim Lee, that was playing Lady Love Sound, and uh, she gave me the name. She and her, uh, a couple of her friends gave me the name Ricky Blaze. That was from there. Poochie Killer was out the door. Ricky Blaze was yeah. A moniker. Was it a song you were playing, or you just going as a DJ that time there? So, one of my, like, uh, one of the guys that lived around the corner from where I lived, he had a sound system called Legal Execution. Mm -hmm. Skipper, that's his name. He was the one that uh, introduced me to, like, you know, DJing. One day, I was riding my bike around the blocks, and then I heard music coming from a window. <laughs> I'm ride my bicycle. Yeah, but like, it didn't sound like a stereo. It sounded like a sound system. Mm. I'm like, what? In the area, we have that going on. <laughs> so, like, I jump on my bike and I'm following the music. So, it was like a little, like, stoop. It was like a little veranda stoop <laughs> where the window of the music was coming from. So I walked, 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 
and climbed up on the thing and was looking through the window. <laughs> window. <laughs> Just standing there looking through the window. And the man them in there play and a mix. I'm like, yeah. yo, with a sound system in there, bro. Bass, bottoms, mids, in other man room, in other man, in other man room, in other man house. The whole place I shit, I shit. I'm gonna start up there and I fast in the man them business. The man them turn around and see me. I'm gonna turn down and run. Let's blow now, the man them see me. I take up myself and the man them come and say, Yo, 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 come, come, come here. So the man them said, Come here. So I went to them. How was that bread? Like, what's up? What's up? How y'all doing? So the man was saying, yo, you was looking in here. What's up? What? You play music? What? You a DJ? So me tell them and them like, yeah, yeah, I'm a big sound man. Them tell them you know about a record that don't have nothing. I don't have nothing to manage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, all right, cool. Come in, come inside and show us what you got on, your, on, the, on the turntable. Show us your skills. It's like, all right, let's go. Bring me inside. Put on two record. It was a DMX 12 inch and mm-hmm. and a Sizzler record or something. And it was like, all right, let's show us how you mix or you know they they was just testing me because they wanted to see, like you know, at that point I should have turned to them and said, "I don't have a DMX and a Sizzler record on the turntable. Like that doesn't make any sense. You should have had another hip hop record on the other side." But me tell them yes. So that was showing them how much I had skills or how much I knew what I was talking about. Yeah. So there, they broke twenty needles. <laughs> Two of the news I go trying to scratch, and the man in bed and I laugh at family. And that was where the school began, the schooling began for me. Mm-hmm. And he's died for the next two to three years. The next summers, I just, every summer, winter, everything, I ended up spending it at that house, learning how to DJ, how to mix, and just music, just, you know. Mm-hmm. What what will move the crowd? At what at what given time, you know? So at this at this point of time, when you are playing a party, the prime time songs don't play until down in the night of the party, you know? Mm-hmm. What, what what you gonna play midnight? What you gonna play one a.m., two a.m., three a.m.? So these was what I was learning from these guys playing in the house, and then also me and them going out to parties and them showing me like you see what what the crowd is moving to you see you see at the time you see you see how the dj played it you see what he played behind it like all of those things was very crucial for me to understand and learn you know and that was what also helped me as a producer down the line to identify sounds understand okay this will move this or this kick here would would identify a certain time or age in music. So this kick here, it would be like an 80s pop Prince kick, you know? Or this kick here would be like a, like a bojo, I wanna be love, like, you know, these sounds. It, it has a sound, a specific sound and feel to it. Correct, correct. You know? So those was, those was the arrows that was like just teaching me records and stuff, but it, but, but it, it helped me down the line as a producer to understand, you know, sounds and like what to, 
what to what to what to engage with and what to put him up in saying. And you know, what to identify as what. Okay, so you're DJing, you're you're with them. You said you're for about two, three years, you're with that sound there? Um, yes, legal execution. And then mm-hmm. um after I started getting a little more skills mm-hmm. and learning, then I started like when I would leave school, I would just deal with the spot. Name Cheyenne Designs mm-hmm. on Church Avenue that I would stop at every day it was a flyer spot. So they were making the flyers for all the Caribbean parties going on in the tri-state from Brooklyn, Bronx, Queens, um, Connecticut, like Cheyenne Designs, like that spot. So everybody would come there to get their flyers done. So you would see Jabba on a particular day or you would see just, you know, whoever, uh, somebody from mm-hmm. Stone Love or Afrique or Liber Love or Major Hype, somebody. Major Hype was a selector before you came. Uh, a comedian, you know, so mm-hmm. Major Hype was playing. He was playing a few sounds before, you know, before I knew who he was. But when I got to know Major, he was playing Liber Love sounds. Liber Love yep. machine. It was a big sound. Baby and then massive B after. <laughs> yeah. Master B came way down the line after, but like we talking about in the early two thousands, yeah. early nineties, Major was playing different sounds. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was where um so that so so that was where I started to like learn away from like me music and learning the music, then I started learning the um the community i would say of djs around myself that i that i could like collaborate with or play alongside or you know just learn things from Mm -hmm. so now i started going to cheyenne designs every day after school and just collecting flyers and just identifying who with who okay cool so these are caribbean djs and then like you know sometimes we'll see for Master Flex, huge on a flyer from Hot 97, you know, with Stone Love, and then you'll understand, okay. So he's a hip hop DJ that, you know, they're putting alongside with some Caribbean DJs and, mm-hmm. you know, just understanding how, 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 how things was done, you know. So that was where um, I started getting just a little more understanding. And then I left legal execution and started playing my uncle's sound. This sound system called Park Sounds, which was like a Limber okay. Love and I Freak, you know, a set of DJs, my uncle, like Tony Bennett, super, 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 super dope. Even till this day, you know, he still plays around in Brooklyn on the Pirate Station and stuff, but like intellectual and just super dope when it comes to music and like he knows his the history. So he's telling you about a song he's not just telling you about the song but he's telling you um did he hear the song came out the artist you know what was going on in that time when the song mm-hmm. came out and why that song means so much now what we play why we get the reaction we get from it. so he so i went through a, after those three years, I went through another seven, eight years with him just on a day-to-day basis, him just teaching me every different type of DJ. So like, 
in New York City at that time. You had Sting International. Those guys were like, you know, which is a part of Shaggy's crew. But those guys were like major DJs, house DJs and stuff. So he was just teaching me who those guys were from from the Bobby Condes and the Jabba's and, you know, just the difference of the business and, and all the different DJs and, and where they played at and how important they were to like, you know, their crowds of who they were playing to and just, you know, I was very, I was very happy um, to get that schooling. Did you go to high school with um, Young Cho? Yes. So we went, so we didn't go to high school, we went to junior high school together. Went to mm-hmm. Windrop High School together. Windrop Junior High School together. In uh, East Flatbush. Few of us went there. DJ Spin City. He, uh, he okay. plays Egyptian Ding Dong. Went there in New York City. Mm-hmm. And, and Egyptians tour DJ. Um, and a few, a few others went to, we went to school together. But yeah, Chow and I, you know, we, we came came up together as far as um, just DJing. Like, you know, he was like the soaker, the soaker, the soaker prince. And I was like, look, a dancer, the dancer prince in Brooklyn, just doing our thing. You know, like, we was like highly respected by like the older DJs because, you know, we kind of like did our homework and, you know, we weren't just trying to like, just, you know, it, at, in those eras, it wasn't like you could have just came in the business and just used your name and just use your likeness, you know, and, you know, people see them like, yeah, man, look what you kid yes, you're cute, you don't even think about it. So it wasn't that type of vibe. It was like, yeah, this little young motherfucker, what are you coming with now? What do you got? What do you have? You know, so you have to prove yourself. You have to show them like, nah, this ain't what you think it is. This ain't just like, I'm just coming here as a little young you with some records and it's cute. Nah, we know what we're doing. We know how to move crowds. You know, we know what to do. We know what to do. We can, you know. And that's when we started getting trusted from the Steely Bashments and, you know what I mean? The the Super Clods and the guys in that, like, controlled the dance hall and the Caribbean scene in New York City. You know what I mean? So, yeah, man. When did you finger? When did you start to get interested? Because you soaked up all this knowledge of what moves the crowd. You understood kick sneers and all of these stuff here. When did you get, when did you start to think about production now where you went from playing these songs where you wanted to actually make a song? So it's so crazy because like in the beginning, like before, like I fully got like inspired and motivated and just gained the, 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 the courage from Pharrell and, and watching Kanye before those guys. The person that 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 inspired me to become a producer was Phylinx. Phylinx? Phylinx. I, 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 I was like so inspired by him because he was just different as a selector. His voice, his his um, the way how he how he introduced songs. Yes, bro. Um, it was different than the way how Mataron, because like it, for it was at one point in the business that the game was segregated, 
and you had selectors that was like on Mataron's team and you had selectors that was on Firelink's team. So it was either you was playing like a Mataron or you was playing like a Firelink's. And I just loved, even when Firelink's, because it was at one point like Mataron was like highly loved and favored by like the Stone Loves and the Metromedias and everybody was Mataron, Mataron, Mataron and nobody wanted to see Firelink's and Fire Sound them and, and like, you know, those was the those were the things that like you know made me rate links no matter how much he was going through what he went through and just was you know i get him look a fight on him thing that he never made it deterring and he always came with the punches like even the way how he cut dub plates like like the way how he voiced artists and on the rhythms them that he chooses like all of those things is like you gotta have a certain talent and a certain a certain ear and a certain understanding to music to approach music the way he does. You know what I mean? And even the way, even when he came with his first rhythms, the, the mad instrument rhythms and those rhythms and the way how those rhythms sound musically and, and the songs that he featured on them. And then the way I bust the rhythm as a selector, mm-hmm. you know, not only did he produce it, but he bust the rhythm himself. You know what I mean? He knew how to sell it to his audience. And those things were just amazing to me. The things that he has done, Mataron, is like, I I respect and I, I'm inspired just as much from Mataron as I am from Firelinks. But mm-hmm. they are two different beasts in their own ways. 100%. I mean, some of the things that Firelinks has done, Mataron didn't really care about those things. Mataron more took on the hat as a producer. I mean, as an artist, you know, um, I think it's always only like one rhythm. Like I think it was the Bama drop rhythm that, um, that Mataron had put out, but Mataron didn't really care about putting out rhythms and building a label. He more cared about just, you know what I mean? Being an artist and playing dance and those. Yeah. You know what I mean? Clashes and them type of things. With Firelinks now, Firelinks really had, after the Mad Instrument took off, he really put on his hat as a producer and came with a few other rhythms after that, the clear rhythm and just a few other great rhythms. And, you know, like that was what like kind of like made me say to myself, and I was to ever put on my producer hat, you know, it would kind of be like what Firelinks kind of did in his way. Yeah, so. because if you remember Mad Instruments, if you're talking Fire Links, Mad Instruments didn't sound like anything else that was played nothing, at the time. Then. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Till this day, when you play Mad Instruments alongside a lot of rhythms, it doesn't sound like anything. <laughs> it just sounds. It, it was a full, yeah, a full rhythm with a lot of stuff going on, but it wasn't. Too much stuff going on. It was the right. right amount of a lot of stuff going on. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. You know, and then yeah, and then he had a range of songs on it from Daville. All I did, girl, and then he had Assassin. We are bought from this old clock song. And then my kid, but then come out, everyone had this is fire. Tell you, tell you. Like, so, you know, like he chose the, the right artists for his rhythms. Like, you know, not too many, 
And that was another thing too that I saw. Like that was that that's what makes Dave Kelly and Tony Kelly and them Monday forever our goats in in, in, in reggae and dancehall music. It's because not only did these men know how to make incredible production, but they chose the right artists to fit production and to make songs that like define the the culture that everyone loves and looks to now. You know, Sly and Robbie did that too. You know, Computer Pal, yeah, you know, and if you want to go back to our man like John Zalaz and and Mr. Um, Mr. Jamins and them, them mm -hmm. incredible man they too. You know what I mean? I said, but that was what music was made of. You know what I mean? Incredible and 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 and, and dope production that had detail to it, you know, but also came with incredible artists that had stories with melodies and 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 and, and, and lines in, in these songs that like lived with people forever you know mm -hmm. so you're you know links is the one that really inspired you so what was the first rhythm or something that you attempted to build that you have to go on youtube and figure it out what was the first thing you tried to do then so the first rhythm that i created was a rhythm named the star time rhythm mm -hmm. uh, i had created that rhythm on because we had the um you remember the sampler? They had a sampler called the SP202, the Dr. Boss SP202. The, the, it was a little square. What like I a little square thing. It was like sounds, $400. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. you could put like all the all your sound in there. You know, like all of the sound man them used to have it. Like Bobby Condas, the new man them used to have it. So they had made an updated version to it called SP505. Mm -hmm. And when we got the SP505, um, over at Future Vibes, I was like, Yo, you know what, let me try to make a rhythm on it. And I made a rhythm called the Star Time Rhythm. And I started playing the rhythm every night, like a firelings, like firelings would do. I would go out every night to like all the clubs them in the area from the elite arc to like the high school clubs them that we used to play at in, in East New York and all those places. And I just played the rhythm and kept playing the rhythm, playing the rhythm until it it, it blew up and then the first artist i voiced on it was crazy chris that was the first artist okay. i voiced uh, I, as a matter of fact i sent him the rhythm because mm -hmm. he heard it i don't know how he heard it because it's not like we had videos and stuff going on at that time so he heard it and he emailed me you know because we didn't have four he emailed me through his hotmail account i was like yo he would like go with him to try a thing on it whatever and i was like all right cool and i sent it to him he was the one that told Meritol about me on how that's how me and Meritol started working. And that's how we did Everybody Dance and other records. Okay, so, but remember, those are going to come after. We're going to get to those just now. God, mm -hmm. there's a lot. Of, there's some stuff we got to get through before we get to the Meritol yeah. segment. So, okay, so you have your first rhythm there. Okay, Bob, that work, you said it, it went on with a thing in New York, your voice crazy. crazy. So it was just mm -hmm. one song you had on the rhythm? Just one song and just the rhythm by itself. And the rhythm yeah. would play out, the rhythm would play, and people would go berserk for the rhythm by itself. Till this day, yeah. if, if I throw on a rhythm, people would just, just go crazy for the rhythm because it's a, it, it's, a, it's a favorite. So that was the first rhythm I ever created, sat on the thing, and created that. That was the first. How, and how did you 
even figure out how to create the pseudonym in the first place? Um, because the SP five hundred five, it was like a little like it would be like a little like drum machine in a sense. It would be like an Akai kind of MPC kind of vibe. So you can like you know, and it came with like it came with like stock sounds. Mm-hmm. So I just used the stock sounds in it, and it was easy to just. Once you click, click um, once you click the uh, the record button and the play button together at the same time, you'll just hear. So it would tell you the tempo. So then that out that that that's how I figured out on how fast to make it or how how slow to make it. And then I'll just play with the the, the stock kicks and snares and the little sounds that they had in there. They had like a like a bass like a bass hit. So it went boom boom. So then I, I just played it. And I just played the kick behind it. And then just made a whole vibe out of it. And became, yeah. became our first our first rhythm that people identified as something with And the, the trick with it is remember, you didn't even use a computer. This is straight sampler that you used to make the rhythm. Yes, yes. Yes. That's wild. You understand. So then, okay, you're doing that now. So then how do you jump from that rhythm to the, I call the rhythm bad man forward, bad man put up. What's the official name for the rhythm? The official name, what did you mean that rhythm again? Um, what did they mean there? I forgot what they called it. I forgot what they ended up calling it, but yeah, it's, 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 it, it, it shouldn't to I caught because like I didn't have any plans of putting anybody else. I didn't have any intentions on putting anybody else on the rhythm. So it was supposed to be a single. It was be a single. You know? Yeah. So what happened was I ended up making the rhythm on one of my boys' computers. At that time, I was still playing sound system. Mm-hmm. And um one of my selectors that I had on my sound. His name is Shanti Killer. He, he plays a song named Earth Wooler now. So he was telling me that the other day. <laughs> Our general that my turn is saying, play Earth Wooler now. So he was playing, he was playing on the, the same song at the time. So we were supposed to go to a party that night. And I don't know, like, it was like, like I would say it was like 12, 13 in the night. It was a Thursday night. He, he was like, yo, I don't know, see, but the one, but it not really jump. So you want to go over there? Or we can go check my boy JJ. I'm like, all right, let's go check JJ because I want to see what he, you know, what he working with as far as what he's working on as a producer and just kind of get some insight. You know, for me as a yoke, like, just give me information and I'm good with that. You know what I mean? As a yoke growing up, that's all I wanted was information. I was just hungry for information and just learning how to better myself in the craft. So we go over to his crib and he's working on an IBM laptop. It was his girlfriend's own because she was a nurse at the time working. And uh, I think she was going to school for it or something. So she had an IBM laptop and he borrowed it from her and then threw 40 loops on it. He's talking about this is like 2006, 2005. Yeah. So he throws full loops on it. He has like a little, a little keyboard that's big, like about 
this 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 iPad here. Yeah. You know, and got some little keys on it and stuff. And that's how he would make that's how he would make his like his beats and stuff. So he shows me how to use a program. He's showing me how to use the program, how to select the sounds, how to get the sounds into into the um fully loops um palette thingy and you know just how to get get how to create the the beat and batman fraud was the beat that i created as the sample beat of what he showed me how to create the program how to use the program i just but like it's so fun all right so i'm skipping a major part of that story prior to that week the week before that Ding Dong came to New York because at this time now, Future Vibes and myself and our company is representing Ding Dong's management. So all his shows and everything is coming through us. So we know his schedule full time. Mm-hmm. So he, he comes back into, he comes to New York after doing a show in England. He went to England and then he did a show and then he came to New York. So he came to New York. He came back to New York the Saturday. And then Steely, Steely Bashment was keeping a Sunday party every Sunday in the Elite Arc in the daytime. Mm-hmm. Come play dominoes or, you know what I mean? Come get jerk chicken and just all vibe. And, you know what I mean? Come listen to some big music and thing like that. And he had a sound system super strong from Jamaica. <laughs> they had a sound system here in New York. So they would string up every Sunday and... The sound system is just as big as the super strong in Jamaica. So that I licked on the place. So Ding Dong comes and he's like, so so now the Sunday reach and Ding Dong is like, yo, he want to go out. He want to touch the road. He want to chill for a little bit, whatever the kid means, before he go back to Jamaica. Because he was going back to Jamaica the Monday. So he was here for Saturday and Sunday. And then I think he did a show that sat the Saturday in Connecticut. So that's why he was able to come back to Brooklyn and be and be around us the Sunday. So he was like, he want to go to Steely thing. So we go over there. So Steely, Steely them is on the sound and the man of my play, be a old super cat. Yeah. Okay, the heavy D and super cat. Them no worry, me. Them no worry. And the place I share with. And ding down there, and I do the dance and thing, and I, and I go on the most. So we did it now. So we did it, and the man in my play, like, the man in my play, the, ah, uh, we, the man, if you run it down, and then, da, da, and we start super, and the man start doing the dance, and that's it. So we did it, and I'm, I'm like, I'm watching him, because it's like, it's me, him, Future Vibes, and mm-hmm. I think BVD, yeah, without BVD, they did it with him. So he did it, and I the dance, and steal it, and I hike it up, and I dance. So I'm like, yo, bro, what is that you doing? So I said, yo, when I go out, go out England last um, Friday, we're gone. I want to select her over the name Skybot. We create a dance over the name Badman Forward, Badman Pull Up. And the people, mm-hmm. them are going mad over it. I eat this. So I so he sat beat again, and I was like, yo. So I didn't say nothing more to him. I'm just watching him, but like I'm just thinking about like a song. And like just the branding of the dance and how he could market it and all kind of thing like that. So we just did it. I mean, I watch him. I mean, I watch him. I mean, I watch him. So now fast forward now to Thursday now, when the youth know that they are not showing the whole for you and through the loops now. Let's start thinking about the dance and the whole vibe and the energy that we was going on with from the Sunday. <laughs> so 
we just start thinking about like a rhythm that like have a bad man feel to it but like just sound different not everything that was being played at the time in a journey so if they are there's other part like as like i wanted to fuse the beat with like with like with like with like american flavor in it too so there's a part that you hear that's from the um that's from the odb oh baby i like it real hard <laughs> In a bad man for hours and then you do then lights. So one but I created the rhythm. May I tell all the youth where I'm a creative on the computer. May I tell him at the time I say, yo, brother, this I gotta take off because I already done saw the dance. So I already don't know how he was gonna fuse this already. So Ding Dong came back. I made the beat that Thursday. Ding Dong came back the Friday, the next day. Right. So he comes back. So future, future, future went to go pick him up from the airport. So future. So I call future like yo, future, where that? And he said, yo, yo, we're dusty, we're dusty the airport to the world. Come back around the shop. I was like, yo, tell Ding, some find it, go find the rhythm button. Yo, you can it. And he said, all right, cool. So when they reach now. And they reach to the shop now by, 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 the, by the ends. I'm like, yo, ding. Find you ready, you know, dog. Want some more? You heard play it. Just play it. When you hear it immediately. Immediately. But then after that, like after I came up with the, with the lyrics and everything, we need to find a studio now to record it and thing. It's a future link, Ed Robinson. I'm a singer. And they have a studio. Rona, um, Rona Hart, um, um, in a East Lakes over here. And we went to the studio and recorded one shot. Me, future and Ding, one in the booth. And me and future just did the pull ups for Ding and we just recorded the one shot about shit. Okay, so the pull-ups, you're actually the one saying the pull-ups, you and Future are the ones saying pull-up in the song. Yeah. Pull up! Yeah. Pull up! <laughs> no dancing! And some shit I said in the, in the giveaway. But he was talking. Yeah. Oh, the next time, dancing. Yeah. I think that this area. All dancers, all comes. And then my talk, I didn't tease him, my talk, I was Then, and then, yeah, and then after that, we put the song out. Um, which is, I broke the record on Wagwan Radio because at the time I was playing on City Bashments. Wagwan Radio, which was like a pirate radio station in Brooklyn, that you could hear all the new Caribbean music, all the new soca, all the new, like, um, Love Us Rock, all the new roots and culture, all the new dance, all the thing there. You can hear right here on Wildcard Radio. So, first two hours when I, when I went on, because I, I played from eight to ten. I yeah. just played. I just played Batman Forest for the whole time that I was on the radio. Just make people call up. And then Mr. C was driving in Brooklyn. I was listening to to me play on 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 Wildcard Radio and stuff. And then he came by and got a copy of Batman Forest and broke it on Hot 97. And that's how 
that's how it went from thing to the to the to the thing. So was it really bubbling in New York first before Jamaica? Oh hell yeah. Big. Yeah. Remember I told you I broke it on I broke it on Wagwan Radio. I had the whole into I had the whole entire Brooklyn listening to me every Wednesday from eight to ten. Your whole entire Brooklyn was listening to me every Wednesday. So we had a chance to like, you know, just break records or just give them the vibe that we was out from our perspective. You know what I mean? Give them a vibe from our perspective. And that's what I was able to do every Wednesday, eight to ten. So I mean Mr. C was listening. So he heard it. And then like, you know, he booked he booked he booked Ding Dong for for this club named Speed, which was like a hip hop club in Manhattan. He booked Ding Dong and the game. The rapper the game you know what i mean and that shit was ram pack ram pack ding dong was the first dancer to go to brazil and perform he performed with stone love over there and these were groundbreaking things that happened because a bad man followed like we couldn't even walk through like you have this mall over here in brooklyn called king's plaza we couldn't even walk mm-hmm. through them places because ding dong was that big and clean light and couldn't go nowhere. It was huge. Uh, no record deal, just based off of the song and just, you know what I mean, the presence that we gave him in New York. <laughs> so when did it start to really catch in Jamaica then? Because remember, at that time there, there it was... Well, there well, was well, simultaneously, simultaneously it, it did that mm-hmm. because once we finished the song, and then I I had a copy of it. Ding Dong went back to Jamaica with a copy of it. So while I was breaking it on the radio over here, Ding Dong was going to Pasa Pasa and dancing on Pasa Pasa and had Maestro and the man endorsing Badman Forward and wheeling it up. So that's how, that's also what helped it to go worldwide same time while, and then New York seeing how Pasa Pasa was dealing with it just made, made the fans them over here look at it like, yo, this thing is really moving. So it just got bigger and bigger. It was just like, it was a domino effect up but off of each other though. You know what I mean? Off of Jamaica endorsing it and off of us endorsing it here because that's what also made the DJs them in Jamaica play the song even more because they heard that like New York had, you know what I mean? New York was wrapped up on it. You know what I mean? And they was wondering like, hold on there. Oh, New York wrapped up on this and it not dropped and it not bust or this wasn't like the, the place where it bond first or whatever, it christened first. Yeah, man. You're great. Yeah, I mean, you're great popping. And then now you, so then first, okay, yeah, this rhythm comes out, everything comes out now. Did people really start to look at you as a producer or they didn't really know that you were behind this record here? Well, some people did. And then like the ones that had a clue, they felt like I got lucky. So they didn't think that like, this was like something that like, our Ricky's a producer now. They just look at it like, oh, let me get lucky and get out here. Oh, and just get lucky because Ding did hot already on Passa Passa. So people didn't really look at it like, Ricky Blaze is like a producer or like, mm-hmm. he's like an A&R or like an exec in most type of ways. People didn't see me that time, but. <laughs> but that's how I was Pretty thinking. Good. You know, like after after I did Batman Forward, I, like cold like cold turkey, like like mm-hmm. just cold turkey. I just stopped playing sound, just stopped. Like 
like after Batman Hulk took off, I decided like, yo, I want to build a studio and just like create a record label and just be on that side of the music scene instead mm -hmm. of playing sound. Yeah. And I stopped playing sound, stopped taking dates. And it was a sacrifice, but like I was very adamant about people taking it serious, mm -hmm. you know, um, in production. And if I was like dibbling and dabbling at that point of time, like, you know, going back and forth between playing sound one minute, but then saying I'm a producer and then saying I'm an artist, but then still playing sound, then people would have never took me seriously. They'd have been like, we can assure him what I'm doing, or him just I'll do this for money or whatever the case may be. You know, I wanted people to know that like, yo, I'm doing this producer thing. And, you know, just like how you see a Pharrell or like you see a Kanye, I want y'all to see me like that too. Despite the fact that you guys already know me as Ricky Blades, the selector, you know? So I wanted, and, 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 and also like, I knew I was going to get some fight. So like, I was like super into like, just like perfecting my craft. Whatever I was going to do, I was just going to be the best at it because I knew I was going to get fired regardless. So I just wanted yeah. to make sure that like, yeah, you know, whatever I was coming with, like it was at the, at its best. So remember, you said that uh, Badman Forward was supposed to be a single. So then how did the next set of the, the, the two cartels and stuff like now get on the rhythm? So, yeah. So um, what happened was after the rhythm took off and everything, the bro that I made it on his computer, you know what I mean? Um, he came to me. He was like, yo, would I mind if he, if he recorded? Um, he, he got an opportunity to um to pay to pay for pay a teacher for some for one some you know if 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 I would be down to um or if I would if I would have a problem with him doing that I was like that's what you want to do bro like I made it on your computer you know what I mean and certain things like that are right, cool whatever you know what I mean and he went and. When he went to go for his teacher, teacher went, teacher was doing the pharmacy song for him. And then farm and then teacher was like, no, that really meant after the two songs. And then teacher ended up doing the, the 90s anthem um with Tech Nine assisting and a few other um people that was there. I wasn't there that night. You know what I mean? But Tech Nine and, and a few other um a few other other dog them was there. And they assisted with lyrics and as far as telling cartel about the areas and certain things and cartel did off a magnificent job at putting together that song the way he did. Like if you're from New York City, you would understand what that song means. You know what I mean? It's like when cartel called Edmonton and certain areas, when you hear them and they say them thing that you know say. You know what I mean? I say, I Canada, you don't know, say, a, a certain bad man area, they put them place there. If you know, you know, you know what I mean? I say, mm -hmm. so like the way how Cartel put that song together and the areas and the names and the people that he called and the way how he did it. And like, it was just, it was just superb. Like, I mean, and that's one thing that I'm happy about is that I got a chance to like get, get a few big teacher records, big cartel records, you know what I mean? Do my production, you know what I mean? I'm very happy of that. 
don't don't worry. We're gonna we're gonna get into those ones in a while. It's just we. I want to see now. So then now, remember you produced uh, the Ding Dong Badman Fox, but there's more songs on the rhythm. So then naturally, people are gonna say, okay, you produce all of this stuff, during that. Right. So then, are people still taking you a bit more serious now that Cartel's on the rhythm, or they're still not taking you as serious as you think they should? Well. Well, the cartel didn't, the cartel record didn't come into play to like about probably like a year and a half after yeah. after the um after the ding dong was already done soaking up radio and had everybody excited and just just motivated, you know. Um, yeah, the the the, the, the and then um, future vibes. He was also managing Richie Feelings from Stone Love, so we have made Richie Feelings voice a song on the rhythm too. Um, yeah, made him do a song called Sell Off. <laughs> and yeah, we had a lot to do with him after that. We was like, yeah, we don't want somebody else on it. And this kind of like made the Ding Dong record like, kind of just put all of our energy and attention into pushing that forward. <laughs> right, you're doing your stuff. So then now you're a producer. So then now, when did you decide to say, it's cool making the rhythm, but I want to make and sing on my own rhythm? When did that come into play for you now? That came into play, so after that, like late 2007, that that happened because after I decided, like, you know, I didn't want to play sound anymore. I just wanted to, like, full, fully go into, like, be a producer. Um, I, I didn't have a manager. I didn't have a team. I didn't have any relationships on that side of the business as far as, like, known artists or songwriters or producers or anything like that. So I was like, all right, cool. Mm -hmm. One way how I could do this is, well, I had two ways in, in my mind of how I was going to, to, um, to, 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 to get artists. I was either going to have some old Batman friend and link them <laughs> and ask them like, yo, Nicky Blizz, this whatever, or whatever the case may be, or just pay them, or you know what I mean, try to like get in our sessions that I could help write the song, or just help co-produce it with another producer, and stuff like that. So the first artist that I was trying to get like some reference to, I was like, yeah, it'd be cool and easy, because at that time, like, you know. We had Batman for it, but I was also making like more up tempo dance hall records. You know? mm -hmm. So I was like, with a little techno and EDM feel to them. So I was like, all right, cool. It'll be dope to get Ellie on one of the songs. And it was to get Elephant Man to try to like even listen to the record. It was like mm -hmm. hell. So that kind of like killed my energy a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I set up like after trying to submit it to him to listen to the seat. I was like, you know what, man? I can't I can't do this. I can't like I can't do this. I can't I can't really like bring myself to to really like run run artists down to give them good quality stuff. Mm -hmm. So then I just so I just started sitting on the record. And then I created like some other sounding stuff, some other records that like probably had like a more islandy pop vibe. 
like a Sean, like say like a Sean Kingston energy at that time. Got you. So I put about four to five records on a CD and I was driving around listening to it. And then I was keeping an event called Team Pasa Pasa. And I had like Ding Dong and a few other like, like dances on it and stuff like that. So Future Vibes came to the studio and asked me if he could borrow the charger mm-hmm. that I was driving to go pick Ding Dong up from, uh, from the airport. I'm like, All right, cool. So he comes, he takes the charger, and he goes and picks the thing up. And then they come, they come back. I see Future Vibes phone call me, this thing up. It's like, yo, brother, but in other care, I'm gonna hear your CD, brother. This body of fuck, brother, you have to drop this, you have to this. So then they're like just still indecisive, but just saying to myself, like that, the, him telling me that just gave me a, gave me like, you know, I would have thoughts in my head of stuff that I wanna, that, I, that I'm feeling, but I wouldn't act on it because, you know, you need, you need, you need, you need more people, you know? <laughs> so when he came in, you know, he, he kind of like, you know, gave me that vibe and courage and stuff. I went back into the studio, fixed up a few of the records. He asked to be featured on one of them. So I, I put him on one of the records, Ding Dong, and um, I put them out. And the one dog gonna give Ellie was cut them off. I put that record out. And at first, like, that wasn't my, that wasn't, that wasn't supposed to be a main single for me. Cut them off. Yeah. Like, I I was just thinking of promotional and marketing, marketing ways on how I can like really get people to like, listen to the songs from myself that I really wanted them to be in tune with, which was at that time for me, I really wanted to be more on the Sean Kings Island pop kind of vibe energy. That was the vibe you were going for at that time there. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I'm a garrison you then certain things and I don't have like a JR rolling behind me. So how else can I get people to, to tune into the song? Okay, mm-hmm. let's put out something that they like. Let's put out an energy that they would gravitate to. And if they like that energy and stuff like that, then when they expect the next single to be that, let's give them the next single as what you want to give them. You know what I mean? And just switch the whole the whole the whole scene on it. So that's what I was thinking to do. So I was like, all right, cool, let's get them, cut them off as a doorway. That's how I look at those with type of records. Store. Like that's what just you and I was too for me, like a doorway record. Like yeah. I just get them that just to make them see like, you know, yeah, more in that type of energy and then just switch the whole vibe and, and just show them like how versatile and how wicked you are. You can, I can do this. I know this is what you want, but this, right. I really want to show you what I can really right. do here. Right. right, 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 very true. Because I remember I came to New York, this was probably 2007, yes? Came to New York, and that song, as soon as you you crossed over from New Jersey and got into Manhattan, drove up to Brooklyn and stuff, that was the song that you were feeling in the place. I said, yo, what the hell is this? Because it had a, a dance feel to it, yes, but it had a mm-hmm. different sound to it. I was like, yo, what the hell is this shit, bro? Same weekend there, we went to a clash with, um, it was Ding Dong versus John Hype at Amazuro. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
I remember and that. That was that song was running the place, Rolling Stones. I said, "You who are these Ricky Blaze? Who is this?" You know, what I mean, this was different, boss. Yeah, man, it was just I didn't, I didn't like so. But after I finished with the CD now, and I go back and I remaster songs and finish up, cut them off, and I do everything. Then I'm like, all right, now it's time to like see how other DJs and professionals feel about what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I invite Mr. C to come to the studio and come listen to some records and stuff like that. And he listened to the records and he was like, well, how you feel? What you want to do? I was like, well, I feel like I want to drop one of these island pop joints and I want to like, you know, that's the direction I want to go in. But before before we got into that conversation, I showed him because I had dropped cut them off on the internet. Even though like it wasn't like an official release release at that point, I had dropped it on the internet and kids started doing videos mm -hmm. to dance into it in the street and stuff. So I showed him to see all of that. So after when he's asking me now, like, yo, what do you want to do? I'm like, yo, I want to jump on these island pop joints. He's like, Yeah, I hear you, but like this has motion already. Mm -hmm. Cut them off has motion. Kids are dancing to it. Like, this is a whole new era, like, you know what I mean, that you creating with this new sound and vibe. Run with this. Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, cool. He was like, if you sure you want to run with this, we out of here. I'm like, yeah, let's go. And then that Friday, he just went to Hot 97 and created the movies. And from that, like, my whole name, my whole perception, everything changed like it changed more than when it's than than when it was supposed to change when i did batman forward like when i did batman forward i expected people to take take me as a producer and take me as a like a musician now coming making that transition from artist from 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 dj to artist i, I expected that or dj to producer at that point i expected it to happen at that point, but it didn't. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's when cut them off broke for me as an artist. That's when like I started walking in places and then like, you know what I mean? It wasn't just like it was like, yo, Ricky plays is in the building. Like it was just like it became a different it became a different vibe and energy. And like, you know, that's what I wanted. You know what I mean? So it, it wasn't nothing to feel hype about. It wasn't nothing to get gas to my head. It was just for me at that point, work time. You know what I mean? Because now, yeah, they, if they're respecting you like this, you have to really live up to this. So you got to come records. You know what I mean? Because they re remember the first one, they were saying, okay, yeah, okay. It's a flute. Right. You got to hit. Okay, cool. Now you see, you flip the game on them. Not only do you produce a rhythm, mm -hmm. you now actually are the artist on this rhythm here. So I you hire the artist on the rhythm. Yeah. yeah, you understand. So like whoop. that right there, just like it, just it just in the back of my, it wasn't really pressure because like it would have been like somebody that just came already with a whole bunch of ideas and prepared with stuff that they wanted to do. They just needed yeah. a shot to just be able to be seen. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it wasn't like it wasn't like it was something that was like super hard or crazy. You know, but it was it, it became a challenge after because 
you know, I wanted everything just to be like good. You know what I mean? And I wanted everything to sound authentic. No matter if I was making soca, no matter if I was making EDM, no matter if I was making house music, whatever it is, I wanted it to sound authentic. When people heard it, they didn't they they didn't think like it's somebody that the person that made this is trying to, to do this. This you know what is I mean? what you didn't sound like a, a man that makes dance hall is trying to make hip hop or a man that right. makes hip hop correct trying correct. to make EDM. Correct, 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 correct. And I I didn't wanna I didn't wanna have that. As a producer, so I, I just like I studied music, I studied sounds, I studied like space, you know what I mean, in, in music and and letting things breathe and just you know, you can use like you can use a a a, a percussion loop of like and just make a whole vibe and energy and make the whole song flow just off of that loop bit like i learned so many things just trying stuff and just you know what i mean just making little faulties and just just learning you know trying trying as you go along do you remember the first time you actually performed that song what it was like cut them off yeah so this dj in in uh in queens dj sonic he reaches out and he says that they want to book me for a club over in Queens to perform, cut them off. This is like probably like three months in to cut them off, being all on the all on the radio, nobody seeing me. Because no, basically, I'm hiding because I want people at that point, like nothing wasn't going on like that, but I wanted people to feel like things at one. So I'm not going to no parties. I'm just I'm in the studio. I'm here in the studio hiding, basically, but just here making music. Yeah, I'm just staying out the way. Nobody can't see me nowhere, so people just thinking like, "Yo, this nigga Ricky is a ghost now." Like, <laughs> nobody see me at no party because you know what I mean. Like, that's the scene. You know what I mean? Like Noah, Noah, with the Paul, he come from out here too. Like, he's from the same dancehall scene. You know what I mean? And it's just like. For some of them, they can't stay away because, like, you know, you gotta go out every night. You gotta, like, you know. But for me, at that point, I was just like, "Yo, bro, I'm gonna make the sacrifice. I'm gonna hide because I want people to take my shit serious." I felt like if I was to be out every night at that point with, with my song being on the radio, that would have brought down my value to a certain sense. You know what I mean? Even for shows and all of those things, and 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 it was a great thing that I started thinking like that. So the three months now, I'm, I'm I'm off the scene, but my song's all over the radio. So DJ Sonic says he wants a book. So we like, all right, cool. So um, Kim, I, I go back and and I, and I, and I get Kim to, to come back and rejoin with me. You know what I mean? As now the artist producer, Ricky Blaze. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So we started as DJing. And then when I made the transition, I still wanted the same gang. So I was like, all right, Kim, come true. So Kim is managing me. So I'm like, yo, what do we charge DJ Sonic for me to perform? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, all right, $1,500? She's like, all right, cool. Yeah. Yo, we charge him 1500 So like, we kept hearing that it was gonna, it's gonna be a big show. It's gonna be a big stuff. Like, how? How? For who? Me? 
<laughs> like, yo, I just want to joke there. I'm like, ah, whatever, boy. Like, not taking it serious. <laughs> yo, the night when we went there, so we pull up with the crew. We first Prince, DVD, the whole Rolling Stones crew, all of us. We go. Cameraman come outside and a whole security team come outside to come, <laughs> come walk us out. I'm like, why, why, why is all this excitement happening? I'm still not understanding yeah. like the levels on like where it's at now. Hmm. So we walk into the place. The place is packed from the wall to wall. The place is packed. <laughs> I mean packed. The place is packed. Well, and it was just like older. And this crowd was a Guyanese crowd, Guyanese Indian crowd. Because <laughs> they love to cut them off because it's fast tempo and they feel like, you know what I mean? It would almost feel like the Punjabi kind of vibe or like, you know what I mean? Just their up tempo energy. So they love the, they love the song. So. I go into the club and like, it's just Guyanese older women just in there, just, just waiting for me to perform this song. Yeah. Then mm -hmm. I jump on the stage and they're like, Ricky, then, like, yo, that right there, like, yeah. that right there, that, that was like the greatest first performance ever because that just gave me the motivation and the inspiration to know that, like, yeah, we, you got something. Yeah. Really, really awesome performance. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we did, I did that in like two other songs. I had another song called Around the Globe that I did with the Two the Dogs and Junior Vibes and Fresh Prince. We do that. Everybody yeah. just dance around, around. Performed that. They go crazy <laughs> for that. So those things is like, you know, what made me see and know that like, yeah. Like, this is really going. happening here. Yeah, yeah, this is really happening. We changed the price too after that. And then <laughs> after that, I was like, yo, yeah, my price going up now. <laughs> and then we, we was like, I got three grand and then we yeah. took it from there and started. From there. So then now you have the song, you're performing, you're doing all those stuff. So what was your next, what was the next thing you started to do now after Cut Them Off is bubbling? Were you trying to produce somewhere? Were you trying to do some more songs? Where were you in your career at this point here now? So, so at this point now, I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing both simultaneously. Like I'm producing for myself, writing my own songs in the studio recording my own vocals because I, I record my own, my own my, myself in the studio. Mm -hmm. So doing all of that and then at the same time certain rhythms, creating rhythms, sending rhythms to other artists to work with. You know what I mean? Putting stuff aside of like if I should ever work with this person, this is what I was gonna play them. Mm -hmm. and yeah, just doing that. Okay. Just trying to like maps map out like, you know, well, what direction I want my career to go in. <laughs> For me, it was always like, I, I didn't want to be, I, I never wanted to be pigeon held in like a certain genre. I wanted to be able to like fluctuate across great music <laughs> and just create different vibes and styles. So at that point in my career, I was just like trying to think, like, All right, what's next, Ricky? 
Do you want to create a record label? Do you want to put more entities around you? And like, you know, like make your thing bigger. Like just started thinking about a, a ton of different things that I could have did <laughs> at that point to like, you know, expand the brand. After, um, after, after putting out a few records, yeah, I put out, um, I then I put out, did I put out after that? No, for the next, for the next couple of, because like then Akon wanted to sign me to Convict Music. Okay. So it was like, it was just like me trying to lock in others, um, some situations I started having meetings with labels and all kind of stuff like that. So it was just me trying to lock in a situation that I would have been comfortable in, you know, but like I was new in, in the game, in the business at that point. And my team was new too. You know what I mean? This was all new to, 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 to Kim, to the whole team that I had around. So me. it's new to everybody. So it's not like there's a veteran that, okay, this right. man has been here for so, 30 years. We're right. something. We're all new. Correct. So, so when we when, when we we are going into these meetings, you know, we're talking, you know, and they're asking us like, you know, what's your plan and certain things, and we're not giving them like the label lingo talk back. That kind of like, they, they know that they know that these are these guys are actually the new guys right here, right? Because right. you don't have that thing down packed, right? You're supposed to know when you go in there, correct? And so you know. Those, these are, these are all like learning experiences for you sure. know, just understanding yourself, understanding what you have, you know what I mean? Understand what they want, you know what I mean? What you have and what they want, you know what I mean? So from there, just, all right, cool. Back to the drawing board. And then, you know, I started to understand and see that, okay. Oh, so you do need. Um, you do need certain resources, you know, or you do need to have certain things when you're having these meetings or like, you know, you're trying to present music for a record label to invest into mm -hmm. stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I just continued to create music and then I started just, I started to come to the conclusion, like, you know, let me just sign some other acts. And mm -hmm. just do like some some different sounding stuff that I wouldn't do for myself as an artist. Yeah. So that's when I started signing a few female artists so that way I can do some R and B stuff and some house stuff like with Shelly. Mm -hmm. Um and then and then um I signed a little a little small situation with Marital them for we is a lot of little project and a few other stuff. Cool things at that time that I was putting out through my SMG label. <laughs> but um, yeah, after that, then, then I just went back into like focusing on myself. In 2000, after, after cutting them off and a few of those records, then I, then, uh, I met Egyptian, then I met, um, but a whole, a few artists from from the same people that was representing Egyptian at the time, which was Solar Team. Um, 
a few artists that they brought in, I Wayne, Fontan Mojo, like the artists. So that was the, when the culture was red hot. I could remember what was first was dancing was crazy. And yeah. then right after dancing came the culture. Yeah. And it almost came at the same time. Almost. Yeah. That, like, you know what? You watch Asa Pasa and them things. That is. Serious times was playing and dances. They was dancing to it at those yeah, times too. Bro. That's how I know you know what you're talking about. I remember, I remember, I remember QQ had the poverty song and mm-hmm. So it was, you know, it was, it was, it was a time. It's time. Mm-hmm. So then how did you, so you linked with all these singers. So then how do you come up now with another massive milestone in your career to hold your rhythm now? How do you come up with this here now? I mean, I was saying you know, that I just got like a ton of different type of productions. Now I mean, like just different type of sound and stuff. And like me, like. I'm I'm great at like my artistry, great at writing songs and producing and all that. But I'm I'm highly great at also finding talent away from myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Like when I started working with Egyptian, at that time we were working on his album that he had released called Thanks and Praise. Mm-hmm. I did two records on that that album. I did the record Thanks and Praise. And I did another record called Anytime. Okay. You know. So those those though like those projects was like they were like highly like lovers rock. Woods reggae energy. Mm-hmm. But like we would be in the studio and Egyptian would like sing like R and B records and he would sing just different records away from the roots, reggae, lovers, rock stuff. And mm-hmm. he would sound nothing like Egyptian that we know him as. Mm-hmm. Egyptian's voice, Egyptian can go really deep, like baritones, or like he can go falsetto and sing almost like an angel. Like his mm-hmm. vocal range is crazy, like effortlessly. Yeah. You know? So, and if we were in the studio, I would just like, whenever we'd be finished recording records for his project that we had to turn in, I would just play him production and play him stuff away from, 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 from those type of records, you know? So one night we were in this, we were in the studio and that's what I'm doing after we finished just playing him different ideas, playing him stuff and seeing his energy. So then. I played him the whole rhythm and then I stopped it because it wasn't finished. But the piano was so high, high in it that like, as he heard it, he was just like, yo, play that again. <laughs> so I was telling him, like, I was explaining to him instantly, like, uh, it ain't finished yet. No, man, just play it on me here. <laughs> so that I played again for him. He listened to it. And one of his dogs, I'm from Jamaica, was with him. One of the dogs, them named Lion. So mm-hmm. I said, Yo, Lion. But you want song pan her, but you want song pan the boy with me and rhythm. <laughs> Yo, that's so nice pan that span a rhythm. Yeah. So I'm there fast in a conversation, listening to them, looking at them. I'm like, Yeah, sing it from here. <laughs> sing it from here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know I feel all right. 
instantly. Go out of the book, go sing that. Boom, boom. Line up the session one time. See him time. Boom. So he go in the booth and he sings the song one shot. The whole song that you hear today, one shot he did. Right. So, so, so after that, now he leaves. Him and Lion leave and he goes back to Jamaica the next day. Whatever he needs, he goes back to Jamaica. So now I arrange the record, fix it up to the to my likings. And I'm driving around now listening to this record every day. Uh, I'm like this this is going on for like a month and a half. Every day. I'm just getting up literally every day and just I have a CD with like twenty 20 something records on it that I created that I'm just listening to every day. And I'm just trying to figure out like, all right, how are we gonna put these out? Then eventually I'm like, yo, you know what? Let me link Johnny, Johnny Wanda to see if he can help me put out this Egyptian record here because he has all of the markets that this record would appeal to. Hold you, which is one term. So, I reach out to Johnny and he's like, send it to me. So I sent it to him. I sent him that and I sent him another record that I did for Egyptian called Ja at the time. Mm-hmm. We we had I had made over the Lala Bella room. Mm-hmm. And and I had the Egyptian do a song on it. So I sent it to them to Johnny and Johnny blasted it out. FME, Humbless. It said um um, hold yours first and then the jaw record was second mm-hmm. he blasted it out but he blasted it out like Memorial Weekend you know what I mean so that weekend there all the DJs have their playlist already locked in of what they're going to play for that weekend so they don't want any new records to come and throw off the energy of what they're going to have their fan base indulged into mm-hmm. of their mix for that week so that week comes and the DJs play and everybody kills their sets. You know what I mean? But nobody played the whole job. So I call back Johnny like, yo, Johnny, nobody played the whole job because I feel like at the time, the time space that we sent it to them, in, you know, um, we need to send it back to them again. He's like, dad, can't do that. Can I send it back to them again? Because I'm going to pressure them like that. You know what I mean? I said, if they, they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If, they, if they like it, they're going to play. If they don't like it, they're not going to play it. But I don't want to seem like I'm pressuring them to play a record by sending it to them repeatedly. I'm like, Johnny, I hear you, but I just feel like the timing that we sent it to them was kind of like in the week that they already done, had planned already. Maybe if we had sent it to them prior, the week prior, then that would have gave them a chance to decide whether they wanted to play that um, Memorial Weekend or whether they wanted to just keep it to the side. But we wouldn't know because the timing that we sent it to them, it was just, they was like, dog, right, if you want me to send it to them again, pay me. <laughs> if you give me a thing. I was like, all right, what you want? He told me, I drove to him and I gave him the money. And then he blasted out the record that that week after and the first the first country that picked up on the record was Guyana 
Mm-hmm. Uh, to the top 10. I think it came in at like number nine the first first couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Trinidad added it to the top 20. Came home like, I think it was like number 20 first weeks. Second and the third and fourth week, it just started building, building, building because it didn't, it was nothing that, that sounded like it at the time. <laughs> nothing that, that, you know, everything that they had in, in those, in those, in those, in those countdowns, nothing sounded like whole. So everybody just started requesting it and just worked its way to number one on Trinidad's top 20 and number one on Guyana's top 20, top 10. Yeah. And from there, took off. Egyptian, I remember calling him and him telling me like, when he went to Guyana, he went there and he was performing like serious times and all the hits. And he was like, yo, the crowd kept screaming for him to perform Oja. And he's like, what are they saying? Like, <laughs> and he's like, yo, they didn't have the rhythm. He's like, yo, they had to just play some rhythm. And he just started singing the song and the crowd was going crazy. He said he sung that, he sung Oja like probably like six times that night. Mm-hmm. He's like, the people that I'm just kept asking for him to sing it, sing it, sing it, sing it. Also, yeah, like, that's, it can't history all the time. Mr. S- all right, so what happened was the way how it became, how it came on, on, um, on Main Street Radio was mm-hmm. young child went to Trinidad to visit for carnival season and top, and, and, uh, had just became number one on, um, on Trinidad's top 20, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So, he saw the he saw the song mashing up down there. Came back, he had just got his job on Hot ninety seven as a personality, and uh, told Mister C, and Mister C let me like, yo, another one. We well, they put whole gen rotation every hour on the hour, so correct compared, <laughs> and that's how whole gen became that, and then Ebro. And I uh, see them, they kind of like told Nikki about mm-hmm. like how the record was like, get perceived. And she loved the record. And that's how she jumped on it. Yeah, the rest is history. So it was just a connect to a connect. And that's how now Nikki Minaj got involved with the project there. Yeah, 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 with Hoji. And then, yeah, I did my song on the rhythm. I did my song because then a lot of people didn't feel like I produced Soldier again. Yeah, I went through that again. <laughs> so it's like, it seems like every time you do something, it's like, okay, yeah, you're still, it, it almost is like you're you're just, oh, you're lucky. You're just, okay, you got two now. There's there's no big deal. Okay, two. All right. Yeah, I see you, Ricky. All right. I'm a, for real. That's the, that, that, that was what it uh, almost, yeah, it, it almost felt like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so after, after, um, after me, um, the whole gym was bubbling all around the place and stuff like that. And then I started to get my fight. I was like, I need to show them that, like, I do this. Mm-hmm. 
and I wanted to just do something that like wouldn't be expected of me. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I just played off of Egyptian song. Everything that he spoke about, I spoke about it in the op in the opposite way. So he spoke about sex. Mm -hmm. I spoke about love. You know, he's saying he, you know, he's saying like, "Get me off the water." My queen, she's next to me. You know what I mean? His song is a dance hall song. Mm -hmm. I changed my progression, like my, my chord progression into like an R&B kind of vibe. So I changed like an R&B 80s pop vibe mm -hmm. that I did with the with the chord progression and, you know, you know, just you know. So what it just what it's like to me when you listen to you, you and I, it's like you did the same thing what Lenky did to the Diwali for Wayne Wonder, which right. was you had the the dance hall one, but then you had the smooth out. Yes. And it's not crazy that you mentioned Lenky because Lenky is like a big, big, big inspiration and motivation to my sound style and like just like how I perceive music. You know, Lenky is really, really, really like he's just a he's just like a goat on a him, Dave, Tony, like those guys are just like, you know what I mean? They have everything to do with the sound now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Dance hall from the old from from the two thousands. I mean, you had a lot of players that played an intricate role into, into the dance hall sound right now that, like, the world is still stuck on. You know what I mean? You have guys from Black Shadow, them, Triton, them, to, to, you know, you have a ton of, like, amazing producers there. Lenky, Tony, Dave, um, Sly and Robbie, um, Feel these guys shape, shape the 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 sound of dancehall. <laughs> well, and yeah, Lenky, he was a big inspiration to me, and just my style. And even till this day, like everything that I do, like even if I do something that's like super hardcore, like super banger, like it still have to have a soft side to it, or a pop presence that like makes it feel like. Crossover, it can get a different light in a different, a different space, you know. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Okay, I'm gonna jump for it, and then we're gonna come back. Cause since you're talking about that same thing, you did the same, that same vibe for um explosions that came out about four years ago. That was like on the same bad man forward rhythm, but again, you now sang it back like a R and B island poppy type of song. That right. Time. Yeah. So yeah, like, like again, like, you know, like that's also too, like what I wanted to do with my artistry that was, that would be different. Like, even though I'm creating these rhythms, you know, for myself as an artist, my perspective and what I want to sing about and the way how I want to deliver it is, is different than what I may have. Like, it's like, all right, for the instance, like the Sprite rhythm. You know, I can make something like that, like that's super hard, but then I can come with like something that's like soft and that like has more feeling to it and has more mm -hmm. depth, you know? So yeah, that's what, 
that's 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 the um, the inspiration I took from the legends and what I got from their music over the years being a sign of it. For sure. Because even I know you and I, was that when you got to Atlantic Records? That was before I got, I mean, yeah, that, that record was what helped get me signed to Atla uh, Atlantic, but it was, it was out before. It was out before. Yeah. I put it out a little before they had King mm -hmm. and that signed. What was that like now, even now getting to Atlantic? So then now did you feel like, okay, now people are going to take me serious because now I'm signed oh, to yes. Atlantic? Yes. Yes, for sure. Yeah. For sure. For sure. And that and that's what happened. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in a sense, like I was like, at that time, the first uh, New York Caribbean artist at that time, you know, um, in, that, in that year span to, to be signed to a major label with a single, you know, out of New York. I mean, not Jamaica. Record didn't break in Jamaica. Record broke in New York and elsewhere. So, you know, yeah, it was really, it was really dope. And those, were, those were the things that I wanted to, wanted to show, you know, and I wanted to, I wanted my music to speak to me in those in those cases, and it did, you know. And I was really happy for that, despite all the fight and all the. The, the, um, the hiccups that I ran into, you know, um, away from that, like, yeah, it was really, it was really dope that I got an opportunity to like, really make a staple and really be a part of history now in, 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 in the music scene. You know, a lot of people, a lot of producers, a lot of executive producers and all of these terms that they have for producers now, a lot of these guys, they just make good songs and they come out and they they do a little thing and you know they keep it pushing but you know to have something that like is now counting towards history and you know mm -hmm. i could be i have a record that what that that is now down in the history with like a weenie wonder no letting go and those type of records you know and i have i have more than one you know which i'm happy about you know? mm -hmm. so it's a really good thing for sure. So when you got to Atlantic now, were you working with different producers or because you were so self-contained, it was just, it gave you more power to amplify what you were doing in the first place when you got to Atlantic? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. Um, I started to travel into LA, started working with Stargate, Benny Blanco, um, Sia, all of those amazing um, 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 artist and yeah man just um, along doing that like I would come back to Brooklyn and mm -hmm. just yeah just just stay grounded I come back to Brooklyn sometimes it would just help me stay grounded and I would just come back and just create some energy that you know would get the masses excited again get them wanting to work with me, you know. And that's what I started to do after a while. Like, I started to, like, use my work to showcase, to get me work, you know. Mm -hmm. I would showcase my work to, like, get me work, you know. Without a song, but I started to think people would hit me up, like, yo, I love that song, yo. Let's do something like that. Let's let's link up and, and work on a record like that for my album. And, you know what I mean? I'll get you paid. And 
I quoted a student coming down for that. That there, because I know, I think your first single from the album was um, I Feel Free. Off, off the project. Yeah. I think, yeah, that was the second, that was the second song, because just came out the first. That, okay, so even though it was out from before, did not yeah, yeah, what they decided to work, right? Right. Once I had got signed, I landed, yeah, I put that out as a second single. Mm -hmm. Feel free, yeah. And if you know what for, this was one of these again, just like cut them off was so different sounding. Mm -hmm. Feel free now was a totally different yeah, sounding that, song altogether. You know, I mean, that turned into that, a classic song. Yeah, man, that, that was like, that was a classic and mm -hmm. just, you know, just again, just thinking, thinking beyond the, uh, the north. Um, I was driving one night. So DJ Webstar, that son, Chicken Noodle Soup, mm -hmm. him and I are really good friends. And we met, we met through Mr. C. We became really good, good friends, you know what I mean? And I would keep parties, have him come out to Brooklyn. He would bring his whole team, bring, bring his artists, bring his crew. We would do this for years. So, one year now, you know, we told him that 97 because, you know, at this time, at these times now, the radio is huge for, you know, breaking records and just, you know, whatever, whatever you wanted to know and be informed on, the radio would help you with that. So, I'm listening to the radio, and like, I literally in like a few months, watch Ron Browse get signed to a major label. Do like them, amping up his record, him going out every night with the DJs, them in the clubs. You know what I mean? And then, like, he had got Jim and Joel's on the record. So I'm like, yo, this is huge. Come to find out. But, like, the part that was crazy to me was Ron Browse at the time, he was Webstar's engineer. So, like, if I needed Webstar to do a drop for, like, a, sh a party or something that we was keeping, he would do it at Ron Browse's studio. And Ron Browse would send it to me from his Ron Browse at Gmail um, um, thing. So I'm like, fuck, this is a family. Like, this is family right here. Like, you know what I mean? He's doing big things. You know what I mean? He got a big deal with Universal Motown now, all kind of stuff like that. So one night, me and one of my dogs and Biggs, he drives in. I think that night we had went to go check Shaggy in Long Island. He was driving back to Brooklyn. And Flexes on the radio, dropping bombs, just dropping bombs on top of uh, pop champagne. Whoa, 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 we pop champagne. Whoa, he pops in. So I'm there listening to, and I'm like, yo, this song is so dope. But like, we need something that people can relate to <laughs> without having money in their pocket. Or we need something that people don't feel like they need twenty million dollars to feel good or to celebrate. Now, I mean, you need something to just make them feel like, feel good about themselves, feel good about the people that they're around. Like, that's what I was thinking about in the, in the, in the midst of listening to Ron Brown's song on the radio. 
And I'm saying to my boy Big Tank, like, yo, man, so yeah, man, you you create something. And I just I just sat there and I just listened to the radio, listened to everything. I just went to the studio that night. And then we will. And then like me and Biggs are sitting down here in the studio and like I'm talking to him. A little bit like a third party vibe, but I like I'm saying to him, like, I'm building the beat and I'm and I'm telling it, but like I'm saying it to him like this is how I would have done this if if it was me or this is how like if, if I would have dropped a song like what I was telling you about in the car bigs, this is how it would sound. <laughs> and I'm making the beat as I'm talking to him and you know what I mean, as I'm coming up with the lyrics to it too. You know what I mean? I feel very because I'm like I wanted to sound I wanted to sound I want to sound futuristic. I wanted to sound like if Daft Punk decided to do like a hip hop record. You know what I mean? So I just was like just brainstorming, brainstorming, brainstorming that night. Finally got the chorus down, freestyled the first, the first verse. And now it's like, all right, fuck it, let me send it to Ron Browse. I remember his email address, Ron Browse at Gmail. <laughs> then I sent it to him, and then like three hours, he sends back a verse. <laughs> and that was the birth of Feel Free. So the original Feel Free, because me personally, I've seen about three versions of Feel Free. So, so the so, original. So there is three versions, but mm-hmm. the, all right, so it's a version Feel Free with me featuring Ron Browse. There's yes. another version with me featuring Ron Browse and Red Cafe. And then there's another version with me featuring Ron Browse, Red Cafe, and Nicki Minaj. Mm-hmm. Any other versions? That's big dear. So then how did Nicki now get involved with this record here now? With the Feel Free? Mm-hmm. So... At this point, MySpace is it, it is huge, and Nikki just got signed from the Come Up DVD. She, I think, that's that was the name of it. Whatever. DVD yeah, of course. Yeah, it was Come Up DVD with um thing there. What well, was Dirty Money or some, something? Dirty something like Money. Yes, them. bro. Yes. Yeah, Dirty Money DVDs or something. Mm-hmm. Like that, right. So um, after that, she had got signed. Love Little Wayne. I'd like with like your know, young money, everything like that. So she converted her page and her MySpace page got the graphics done and everything. Yeah. So I had the right re- I, I have feel free with Ron Browser Radio. So I'm like, yo, this would be crazy if we get like Nikki to represent for the females on it. Saying it to myself. And then just looking at how Nikki Minaj at Gmail um email address and like I should just sound I should just sound a record with a space in it. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, just do it. And then I just yeah. came to the studio, made a space, and just sent it to and just sent it to her with the space in it. And then like two days later, she sent it back with a verse. And then sent it back and gave me gave me the vocals for the gave me the files for it too. <laughs> and she's like, you know, I love the record. The record is so dope. Like, you know, so I basically everybody that I got, I mean, I know Red Cafe because he was trying to get me signed to Acon. So mm-hmm. like once I got like where I was on the record, I went to 
Acon album release party to talk about us signing, about me signing to Acon, and then um, Red Cafe was there, and I didn't get to speak to Con that night, but um, I had presented presented the record to Cafe, and when he heard it, he went crazy and did a verse, and then I, did, I flipped his part and put the juicy sample on the and mm -hmm. it was pretty pretty dope record. Bigger. So which one, out of those three ones, which is the official single? Um, I would say probably the version of me, Red Cafe, and Wild Browse. Mm -hmm. and, and the reason why is because um, the clearance part with, with Universal Music. Mm -hmm. um, with Nikki's verse, so Nikki Nikki's verse would be like an unofficial version of Feel Free. Mm -hmm. I would say definitely. And remember, you're you're signed to Atlantic. She's Universal. So then, a lot of times, it's hard to get to both labels mm -hmm. to come to the table and do what you need to do, especially if you don't have that power yet as an artist. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're doing it, doing it big, and that's another classic. Listen, when when you go to a dance, there's certain songs that you hear. You see, when you hear "I'm Free," that's when the dancing segment starts in a dance. Yeah, you understand. <laughs> yeah, very cheap. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. They're doing your stuff now. You're signed to Atlantic. You're doing your stuff. So then as you're signed, are you still producing for other artists while you're signed to? Yes. Yes, for yeah. sure, for sure, for sure. At this point, um, I'm working with um, a few artists. I'm working with Flo Rider. At this point, I'm working with Rock City. Mm -hmm. At this point, when I'm, when I'm getting, um, what do you call it there? Yeah, once well, when I was signed to Atlantic, mm -hmm. they had me out in LA. Um, Mr. Morgan, Mike Karen, um, Craig Coleman, like they all had me out there, like, you know, like working with the other counterparts and producers and songwriters and, and just getting in. So, yeah, I was doing that. I was working with other, other people. Good vibe, good, great energy. Got to travel and just, you know, I got to get a glimpse of other producers' perspectives and, you know, I this hindsight of like, you know, how do you saw music? Really dope. And at that time, is was this around the same time when you connected with uh, Major Laser? Um, yeah, because me and Dick, well, we connected in like 2008. I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. yeah, like around 2008 or nine. No, no, eight, eight, eight. And how did that happen there? Because I know you did a song with Brick and Lace off of their album there. No, 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 Nina Sky. You mean Nina Sky? Keep it going louder. Yes. yes. I did a song with Nina Sky, Keep It Going Louder on the first major Lizard album. I heard those and wrote that song, Ailey gave me credit as a writer. But um But um yeah, that, that song was like inspired off of the whole cut them off 
kind of energy. If you listen to it, it has that kind of like feel like they cut them off. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like um, we 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 got connected to a good friend of mine from Brooklyn here, Max Glazer Federation. So yeah, live one night. I was like, "Yo, rookie." Not only got this dope, 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 dope DJ producer from Philadelphia, who was Diplo. Now, we he may not have a name huge right now, but like, I guarantee you, if you collaborate with him, you do something that'll pay off in the long run and it'll make sense to collaborate again. All right, cool, let's go. But we drove to the city, to downtown music, because he was, um, he, he had a distribution deal with them at the time. And yeah, that's how that's we met. And yeah, the rest is history. Diplo was the one that connected, I remember. Um, and now we did a show, Terminal 5 in the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, that was the night he introduced me to Santi Barot and MIA. Yes. And Santi became, and Santi became like virgins from there. Mm-hmm. That's how I became. Intricate producing like a lot of Santi Gold records. It became Diplo made that connection. Okay, so was so Max introduced you to Diplo and then Diplo turned around and introduced you to Santi Gold. Yeah. Introduced yeah. my A, introduced me to the Beastie Boys, he introduced me to a lot of people. Crazy because with Santi, that's when you produce the monster song, freaking yeah. Desperate Youths. Yeah, I'm not. All right. Now, this is, a, again, another level in your career. Tell me how you came up with this one here now. Uh, just like, ooh, I'm, a, I'm a big one-drop dub um, on me, drum and bass kind of you. But, like, you know, I love all kind of genres of music. I love the UK grime. I love all kind of different sounds and stuff. I listened to, like, even when I was growing up, it wasn't just like dancehall, reggae, and all type of things. I was listening to Creed and and then mm-hmm. Blink One Eighty Two and on and, and, and um, we'll call it that man. What's the name? It's, you know, like it was just a different, so wide range of different type of music, you know. So when came around to Desperate Youths, I wanted to just create like some productions that like felt like drum and bass felt dubby but also had like 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 you could tell that they had different perspectives based on the instruments so it would be it would be played in 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 in, in drum and bass or dub style but i would probably use live rock and roll instruments so that's what i did with desperate youths it's just like give it like a rock and roll feeling to it, but it was more of like a drum and bass dub type of record, if you know. So like when I gave it to Santi, it was a ready as is, as how you sound, as how you guys hear it now. Mm-hmm. Well, it was already as is. All those sounds and everything was already there. The only thing that we added was the ding 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 ding. ding. Yeah. And now they roll back in our way. Ding, ding, ding. And that was from um, Nick from the Ting Ting Tings. Mm-hmm. He played that. And 
but the rest of it was all production from me in the um in Fruity Loops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fruity Loops seemed to have been very good to you. That's where you got some of your monsters out of Fruity Loops, bro. Yeah, man. Fruity Loops allowed like what I loved about Fruity Loops was what I still love about Fruity Loops is like it just made me utilize it the way I want to. And it doesn't give me any limits. Well, I mean, anything that my mind think, I could do it through Fruity Loops. Yeah. All of my production, people always ask me, like, yo, all your stuff comes through, but all of my stuff comes through Fruity Loops. So, you know. One of those things there, because even with Santi too, another song that you did that came in a movie was uh, Run the Road. Yeah. Along the road, um, also did for Santi. I did, um, yeah, Run the Road. We have another record. <laughs> I did, I did, I did majority of the a lot of records for Santi. Yeah, because that's how I am. Like, like I, through COVID, that's how we get. I even her new record, like her new her latest single. That she mm -hmm. came out with for her last album, I produced that too. Ushers of the World is the name of the record. But like, mm -hmm. you know, like I'm the type of like me and Santi we live like I'll just send her ideas. I'll just I, I could wanna split and just create something from scratch, like a drum and bass type of vibe, and just send it to her. And Santi be like, Oh my god, I love this Ricky. Send me the files and I'll send her the files. And then she'll just like like, you know, um load them up in her logic and do her vocals and, you know what I mean, make the record and then get all the other musicians and anybody else that she want to add things, she want to choir, she want an orchestra, whatever she wants. Like, yeah. mm -hmm. And then she and I will just discuss it. And one day being in the studio with her and we just sitting here always creating desperate youth. And like she was just going through a little headache because like the label was just stressing her out. And we just sitting there talking about it and Q-tip just walk in and just come sit down in the studio. <laughs> just join us. Like, yeah. Just come sit down next to me. I'm sitting here like, this is Q-tip, bro. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah, man. Really good vibes, great, great energy. I've yeah, learned a yeah. lot. I've seen a lot. <laughs> because I know you even did some work with, um, Jasmine Sullivan. Yeah. I did the Love Back record. Mm -hmm. Um and I didn't I wasn't in the studio actually with her. That play happened to I forgot who made that play happen again. Told um Yeah, I wasn't in the studio for that one actually. Missy Missy reached out to my manager. Mm -hmm. And they were saying that they, they had, they had like the whole record, and they wanted to do something like that on Jasmine's al album. They would like me to be involved and stuff like that. <laughs> and yeah, I gave some production, and yeah, got the record done. Yeah, up on the album. It it's crazy, guy. I remember this is this is the little man that was just 
running around Brooklyn, yeah. looked through a window, seeing a song playing, learned from yeah. there's uncle, made some flyers at a flyer shop, linked with Ding, till this guy's dealing with Jasmine Sullivan, Major Laser, all these amazing heights just from keep going, curiosity. Yeah. Very true. Curiosity mm -hmm. it is. Yeah. Another person that you did a lot of work with, I'm not even sure a lot of people even know this was with um Cranium. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cranium. Shout out to Pee Wee. Pee -wee. <laughs> really so there. Yeah. Shout out to the team here. Um, yeah, I did a did a lot of work with Cranium in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um it's so crazy the way how the thing um I was at a party one night in Queens and I forgot which song was played and stuff like that. And when I said, brand new song from Cranium, and the people that was going crazy, I was like, yo, this kid is dope. But like when I, when I always would perform in like Amazora and the clubs in New York, Cranium would be there behind stage. You know, we always would talk. Yeah, this yeah yeah this security dude named Tyson that used to um, secure Movado them when they in New York and stuff like that. <laughs> so Cranium was like under his wing, so he would always ask me like, "Yo, Ricky, give my record you know, I met met some mom to the man, you know." So finally, when the song start taking off, I'm like, "All right, cool, know it. Let me see if I could like put some plays together and help out the situation." So I think Tyson, and I'm like, yo, Ty, what's up, bro? What's going down? I see an artist, he's moving around, he's doing things. I wanna, he's like, yo, you know what's up? PB and P or them, I'm dealing with them coming all right, then, cool. Mm -hmm. And then I, at first I was like, you know what, let me just back off and leave them to control their business the way they want to do. I don't want to sabotage. Mm -hmm. And then I was just like, yo, you know what? Let me congratulate them because Cranium is a good artist. And then I think P was like, no, nah, we could we could do this together. We can move as a family. Like, you know what I mean? I'll, we'll bring him up, we'll bring him by you and you know I mean start figuring out records and all those type of stuff like that. And uh, yeah, we started putting together records. And then started building, 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 just building records. And then like, yeah that time to leave when he was supposed to get signed. Yeah, it was time. We all went to to Craig Calls Craig Common's house. <laughs> Big boss little Julian Stugo. Pee Wee and Squad and they locked in the, the deal officially with Cranium. Yeah, we we did the album after that, the rumors album. It was executive produced by myself and LMR. LMR is okay. an amazing from Queens that produced that. Everybody asked him. He produced Lifestyle. Bye. Bye. Yeah. So he got a whole bunch of records. Like, amazing. 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 Crazy stuff you're doing. Even two, two artists that you linked with in the beginning. I'm going to bring back up now that you link back with later was Ding Dong for Siva and Vibes Cartel for Touch A Button. Tell me how those two came up now. Touch A Button happened to TJ. 
TJ Records. He came to New York one year and we asked him to produce some beats for him for some stuff that he wanted to release. And if I had something that I would want to give Cartel, I should submit it. Cool. So I just like, you know, went through the archive. The Sprite with him, I have made for Beanie Man. One day, Johnny Wonder called me. I was like, Dad, would you have a Queens with, Jack, with Beanie Man, Dad? If you have, if you have nothing, send it now. So I was like, I was like, John, no. So I'm there, I'm drinking a Sprite. I'm like, you know what? Let me just create something for Beanie Man right now. And I created the Sprite with him right there and just named it Sprite and sent it. But he didn't record on it. But I was like, yo, I like the, I like, I like, I like the kick in it. The way how the, how the rhythm just thump, bum, 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 bum. So I was like, you know what? Let me try this for, for Cartel. I was going to send it to teacher, teacher advice, so I'm put up the sound. Like in a week. <laughs> He put out the songs so fast, they'd even tell me. Yeah. Yeah, my shout out teacher, shout out TJ Records. Mm -hmm. Big tune to this day, touch a button. 100%. Yeah. And even um, Siva with Ding, how did you guys connect back to now put out Siva? <laughs> so, all right, at this point now, like, you know what? Uh, I'm kind of like, I'm not on the dancing wave anymore. I have my record label, our various artists, I have different content I'm putting out. Well, you know, different things is going on. I'm working, I'm working with record labels. I'm, 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 I'm making different moves. So one day I get a call from Ding Dong. He's saying like, you know, um, it's been a long time since him and I worked and it's not much, it's not much, um, it's not much to do so that we know what to do and how to bring back the sound and all of that. <laughs> I didn't even want to get in with me and see what we could create and come up with. So at first I was like a little hesitant about it. Cause like, just like, at that point I was just like, what are we trying to establish here? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, what are we trying to build? And is there consistency? <laughs> but you know, him and, I, him and I, we had a few, few more words. And then he came to Brooklyn. I was like, all right, cool. Let's link up. Mm -hmm. He comes to Brooklyn and then like, we start working on the records. And we came up with the first record we came up with was a was another record that 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 um that we had cranium on too called Raven Praya. Mm -hmm. Wicked tune, wicked tune, wicked tune. Raven Praya, Ding Dong featuring Cranium. Mm -hmm. And that record, like it was so fun, so much fun making it because you know, we had all the, we had a few selectors in the studio that night, you know what I mean? And that's what I would do in the nighttime, more time in the studio. I would have Ding Dong, Cranium, um, Upward Trap Boss, just, just a whole bunch of us just down here vibing. Man, I smoke, I run jokes, we just are chill. Mm -hmm. So that's what we was doing that night. 
and Ding was like, yo, he won a record that like America would love. <laughs> but at the same time, Jamaica would love too. Mm-hmm. It got like a hip hop feel to it. But at the same time, it got a dance hall feel. You know, it's raw and the energy of it is raw, but it has the potential to cross over. Like mm-hmm. this was all the like things that like we were talking about of what we want a new no no ding dong records to sound like. So, you know, that's how we started coming up with civil and just shaping it, you know, and you know, giving people the reminiscent of of our Badman Fall and the pull up here in the civil. Or just, you know, just doing certain things to like, you know, remind his his his, his um his hardcore Rolling fans who Ding Dong is to them. You know? <laughs> and yeah, that's what we did with that record. It worked. Because after producing it, recording it, mixing it, and then paying to get it mixed, sitting down to get it mastered, working on the artwork, working on the video, going to street parties, doing promotion, sibering down the friggin' streets of New York. <laughs> But it was all in good, it was all in good, like, good graces because the record ended up bringing him back to the forefront, you know, which is, which is what we wanted, you know, what we wanted, we wanted, we wanted that, what are we doing music for if we're not doing it to like reach the masses and, and have an impact on them, you know, what are we doing for them, you know, for, for neighborhood likes or for clout. Yeah. Or to, you know, like I'm doing this thing because I want to inspire and motivate like how others has inspired and motivated me, the Dr. J's, the Pharrell's. Pharrell, like, Pharrell is like one of the dopest producers to me ever because, you know, like Pharrell, like almost had like three different careers. Mm-hmm. Artist-wise, business-wise, because he was an artist, producer, songwriter, engineer. You know what I mean? He played instruments. And then he was Pharrell, the the, the R&B singer on, on, on like Jay-Z and those type of man devil. And then he was he was Pharrell, the, the, the solo artist doing songs like Frontin' and those things. And then he was Pharrell in N.E.R.D., which was like a rock and roll kind of rock band. That him and him friend, him and him and Chad Hugo, Chad, yes, Shay and Shay had, you know what I mean, and 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 they were, and it was all successful, hmm. you know what I mean. So I looked at stuff like that. Those were like you know, those were the things that I looked at that inspired me and motivated me and made me say yes, I want to do this. I want to want to get a taste of this. I want to, I want to, I want to be creative. I want to. You know, I want to be just loud in this, like, and just make my voice be heard. Take it to the highest level that you could possibly take it. Yes, just, just, just take it, mm-hmm. you know, no remorse. Yeah. All right. You did a lot of dance hall stuff. That was cool. But then after you, you even did some soca stuff. You linked with Kess and did Endless Summer. How did you connect with Kess? 
Um, so that happened from a really good friend of mine, Jason Connor. He is president of Title, and he reached out to me at the time. He was co-managing Kestaban. Um, with another friend of his, and they were like, "Yo, kind of like the same energy, like." Kestan wanted to go into a different direction, like pop and more like, you know, different than Soka. But Jason felt like they needed something to solidify them in the streets, like the other song, Tuesday on the Rocks. So he was saying like, yo, you know, let's try to get them with a producer that, you know what I mean? Could like make records that like can have a street presence, but have the potential to cross over. Mm-hmm. And then they came and checked me. Oh, yeah. At that time, I just was finishing the rhythm. I was just finishing the rhythm as they was linking me. So Keston was the last song I voiced on it. I had Egyptian, I had my stuff, and I had this local artist named Zola. And yeah, I put it out. And Keston's song started like taking. Big, 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 big moves. No, they, they, um, they, um, they, they definitely toured and did their thing. So, you know, they made it, they solidified it. Big things with there because I know even since we're in Trinidad, you did some work with um Prince Swanee also. Yeah, did some works with Prince Swanee. Did some works with Marshall. Marshall was on the whole journey too. Marshall's on the rhythm there. Yeah, Marshall Montana was on the Holder rhythm. Yeah, I did not realize he had a voice that. Of song. Yeah, he had a voice of song. His song is big too. Speak easy, I need to know. Would you come and take a Big tune, big tune, big tune. Yeah, big tune on the Holder rhythm. And then I had made over, I had made over his version of the rhythms, Marshall. <laughs> So you you flipped it in a different type of style, yeah, a little different. If you look it up on, uh, you know, you'll see it. But like, yeah, that's big there. And flipped even around and even, stuff like that. I know you did a lot of remixes, official remixes too. You had done one with um Rihanna. Which song was it again? The um Oh Nana, what's my name? Yes, so I did the, that the, the remix of Vibes Cartel. Who do some sure I don't play oh now now what's my name uh oh how did that come around let me tell you something you won't do it so me and me, me I, I did the remix and um it was um labeled as a federation remix this is big max is you see another another full circle moment I remember he was the one that linked you with um with Diplo in the first place. Right. You know what I mean? And then like, and then like, and then like, and then like, you know, Max, Max was instrumental. Like was when, when I, cause I, when I wanted to, when I released the Shelly after the night, when I released that record, that was like, a, um, an independent thing. So I wasn't really looking for a record label to, 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 to come, to come find us to sign up. Well, I wasn't thinking like that. So, Mm-hmm. When I, once I had that song on the radio and it started bubbling, I just went to 
Max Glazer because I know he had a relationship with Patrick Moxie because he had a publishing deal with Ultra Music. And then I just told him, like, yo, I want to sign that song to Ultra. And he made the connection and I went, I went up there and that's how, and then I ended up signing Shuddy to Ultra. That's where you got it from here because I know even your your label, FME, you guys had put out a project in uh, 2016 called Conquer the Movement. But it had this song, one song in particular with um you, Beanie Man, and Alexis Rose called um Apart. Yeah man, yeah man, that was a big tune, big tune. Alexis Rose is another another artist that signed to my record label that night. You know what I'm doing, music like styles and just stuff outside of like dance hall and, and reggae. Like you know, these yeah. are the artists that like I work with and stuff like that. Do R and B, different genres of music. Shelly does the house music stuff, house pop stuff, mm. and then like um, so I keep it. But like yeah, they're part record. Like you know, I just wanted to give them, I just wanted to give them something that felt just fresh you know and with their part record you know mm-hmm. i was a i was a big fan of um get me body by beyonce and how they mm-hmm. built up the vocals and how she made the song just from swiss beats drums and the rest of it was just all the music that you hear is her vocals mm-hmm. that was an inspirational record to me and i took that same blueprint and created a part just like that so if you just the part is and it's the vocal stackings and melodies and everything in a part that makes makes the record what it is. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote I wrote the work, I wrote the full record <laughs> And then if you look that that as a single has like eleven million views on YouTube, crazy, crazy numbers. And that like, you know, I'm I'm like I'm so like I'm so blessed and I'm just so grateful when I hear stuff like that because like, you know, that was just an idea that like, I just felt in my gut feeling like, yo, the world needs something like this. Come for me, come for me, come for me, come me. And then I just told her like, sing it in a falsetto. Just sing it exactly like, you know, let's give it like an African seal. Come for me, 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 come and then we gonna make the we gonna make the verses sound like like an R and B song. Cause maybe we like just let those guys, you know. So them type of vibes. Yeah, no big 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 there. Even with um somebody I seen you did an interview with the other. This was I think probably last year year before. You and Chronics I think were over at Fader doing an interview. Yeah, I'm a, How did you link with somebody like Chronic Snow? So, like, the amazing team over at Out Their Music. Shout out to Pierre, Pierre, the whole squad. Pierre now, Pierre is amazing, man. Like, Pierre, like, you know, Pierre, like, has a lot to do with, um, he was very instrumental in Coffee's career. So he was mm-hmm. instrumental in breaking the uh the toast record he was instrumental in breaking a few skilly bang records you know what i mean cranium his sound to him um at the time he was managing and dealing with 
chronic chronic specials along mm-hmm. with Dottie Barnes and the squad. So, you know what I mean? Um it was just it was just it was just waiting for it to happen, you know what I mean, the vibe. And Pierre's just, you know, anytime I send Pierre things, because like that's how I am, I'll get up and just send a ton of things, beats, songs that I did, ideas, just whatever, and just send them to people that I feel need to have it. So like, you know, um, you know, you have all of these amazing artists. Anytime I send him content that he feels like applies to any one of them, from coffee to skilly. You know what I mean? Whoever, like, you know what I mean? Even to this day, like, it's the same thing. Like, I'll send him stuff mm-hmm. where he'll be like, yo, I feel like Skilly would kill this. I'm gonna send it to him and stuff like that. And so we would do that sometimes in Chronics. And Chronics just like, yo, I like Wicked Energy, like the way I'm thinking as a producer. And, you know, we want more collaborate. So we did like three to four records together. And yeah, man, we got a record with Chronics and Joey Badass at Rex 32 yeah. from, from England. Um, and we got a Chronics by himself. We got a few records, a few things. Yeah, you got, you got, we say you got some stuff. I seen yeah. in when you could see in the interview when you guys are sitting down, you could see that it's a natural vibe that you guys just have together. Yeah, I mean, you understand his vibe. He understands yours, and it's it just seems to work. Yeah, my yeah, yeah. Clients is a great individual. I mean, super dope. I mean, his perspective on life means we can just you know just 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 perspective too. It's just different. It's dope. Right across the board, because I know one one of your one of your last songs you had put out. This came out in um. 2020 as a matter mm-hmm. of fact this is where you give them you went back to your cut them off days but it was still a new modern style was would swerve yeah like because like because know, like, it's like the hip-hoppy mm-hmm. edm kind of vibe but you're still giving yeah. them a dance hall on top of it Right, you know what I mean? right, right, yeah, right, right, very true, very true. And you know, like, like, yeah, that's like, that's like my thing, like, you know, like, for me as a producer and a creator, to stay in the same sound consistently, sometimes it doesn't, I, I can't do that mm-hmm. as a creator, you know. Like, you see, like, how Mustard gave you that whole summer of just those beats that sounded similar to each other. Like, people expected me to do that with Vulgin. Batman mm-hmm. forward in my head stems, make continuous beats that sound exactly like them to give to yeah. different artists. And I refused to, to, to do that in those stages. No, I didn't, I, I didn't think that would have been something... Um, Legendary. I didn't think so. You know, it would have just been able to put some, it would have just been putting money in my pocket and it would have just kept me relevant through the whole summer. But like, you know, how many of those records played today? How many of those muster records that all sound like that? How many of them play today? You know? So it's just like, I just don't say it because like, 
Like I, I totally like respect, love mustard's production and skills and stuff like that. And sometimes you gotta trick the business. You know what I mean? And as as producers, as musicians, sometimes you gotta make it look like we're not as 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 dope as we really are. To like kind of like make the masses feel like we're we're learning the business right before their eyes. You know, so, so I don't have I know that like that was probably something intentional. But like for me as a creator, there's so much music, there's so much style, there's so much to offer that like I wouldn't want to limit myself and limit my, my fan base to just a certain type of sound for myself. You know, I want to keep them astounded and keep them wild. Like, wow, Ricky did this. The same you that made Batman forward made this. That's crazy. Like, yeah. that's that's unbelievable. You know, that's how I want to keep people. I ever want people feeling like, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, I figured you won't come with something like this and cut them off and hold you. Yeah. But it will go back to be where we're there now saying, you see, I told you, he was just lucky. He got two little right. songs. And right. He did. So it was just luck. Uh, don't even worry about him there. But he was just lucky yeah. there. You've done a lot of amazing stuff from major label deals to dance hall to being in the soccer world and the EDM world and all, in all these worlds are so vastly different. When was it that you think you actually learned the business of the business? Hey. I would say after I got signed. Mm -hmm. I got signed and lied. That's when I started to see the reality of the record labels, the reality of <clears throat> how important it is having. Having someone that that people gravitate to, dealing with your business, or like in the room with those people, making sure you're a part of certain things, you know, dealing with the politics of it. Like, yes, after being signed, uh, I started to see how important all of those things were, you know, and how much those things meant if you would make it. In the real, in the real music industry, mm -hmm. you gotta have a little bit of everything. Like as you can see, talent don't run the business. So it doesn't matter how much talent you have or what you can do. Mm -hmm. so right now we're in a we're in a space where like it's about numbers. Mm -hmm. you get your record is shit. You have twenty million streams on it. You're talking, you know, we're in business, let's go, let's do this. Because everybody sees numbers, you know. And especially somebody like you that wears so many different hats, songwriter, producer, um, artist and everything. It's like, you see the difference almost from like a 360 type of, type of way, because you're, you're doing so many things. Cause a lot of times if you're just an artist, you're going to yeah. see the business only from this way here. 
if you're a producer, you're only going to see it from here. If you're a songwriter, you're going to only see it from here. But you being in all of those, you get to see a real rounded business because it's not the same business as a artist, as a producer, or as a songwriter, you know. That's true. And mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I'm, like, it's great that you said that because I never really looked at it like that. It's like just, you know, my overall brand, you know. And that's how I always look at it like, oh, cool. I'm just, a over, I'm just like, a, I'm just a brand. I'm not, I'm, I'm not an artist. I'm not a video. I'm just a brand. I mean, my entertainment brand. I just have, I have any hats that I wear. Allow me, I could be an A&R today and then tomorrow I could be an artist, like, you know, so. But like, yeah, there's there's the different sides to the business. Um, I've had, I've I've had a little experience to all of them, all of them. Um, What's all that say though, Larry? I don't know, I think the one that I like the most is the producing part. The produ- how, how come the producing part? Producing business because you know, the only hard, all the only thing hard for for the only part that you really have to put work in is just solidifying to make sure that the artist takes it for your project. But once it's once they take it, look. Your yeah. money's gonna be get gonna get dealt with no if ands or buts. There's other opportunities that can come from that, like you know. So the producer yeah, part of the business. Being a producer. What's, what's left for you? What's left for I consider you like a young veteran. Like you've been in this game, but you're still Relatively young. I don't feel like I did anything wrong. Say that again? Like, honestly, I don't feel like I did much. I don't feel like I did anything like that. I feel like I, I, think- I, I don't know if it's because I have a whole bunch of music, mm-hmm. but like, or I, like I just created. So, you know, at ease for myself that like, I was going, but like, yeah, I don't feel like I did enough. So I'm going to be like, nah, you got to, you gotta, you gotta do more than that. It's but more that's, good. that's what's good. That's what keeps, I think that's what keeps you hungry. That's what keeps you creative. That's what keeps you going. That doesn't, you're not getting high off of stuff that you know, regardless, if you never put out another record, you never produce anything. You have music that will be playing for the next, as long as clubs are wrong and they're playing music. Yeah, one of those three songs, the whole deal, the, um, I feel free. Or you and I, those something like that is good. Batman forward, Batman put up. Come on, boss. Come on. It's going to play regardless of if you don't produce one more song. And you could, a lot of people get high on that and then they fall off because they know, they know that they have these things. They'll play it forever. But the way how it seems like you see things, you feel like, oh, I haven't, I still haven't done enough. So you're going to stay hungry, still trying to do more. For sure. Right now, like I took off from November to December of last well, last year to just kind of like study ammo again. Mm-hmm. Nothing else. I studied it just just the flow of it. 
you know what I mean? The sounds that they use, you know, like what, what drives it, like, you know, the dance moves, everything just to get an idea of it. Like, let's show you, like, I'm not, I'm not comfortable in no type of way, like, you know, I create music every other day. You know, I create all kind of music. Um, from hip-hop to pop records to 80s pop R&B like like authentically you know so yeah I don't I don't ease up a bit you know down to even drill I create that like authentically like you know and just uh, I, again as you said earlier you don't want to sound like the reggae guy trying to produce soca or the hip-hop guy right. trying to produce and you want to be that guy that produces this thick all of these things authentically of course of course so no i study those things i study those things i i critique myself like i would critique another producer maybe you know so like i i expect the best for myself you know so like that if it's something that i don't understand or i'm not gonna or I tried it and it doesn't sound authentic or it doesn't sound like if Metro booming or somebody that's authentically to the genre would do it, then I'm not going to, I'm not, I would even, I'm not going to waste my time because I'm already great at what I'm, what I'm great at. So these are just additions, you know, these are just additions, like, you know, me being able to create drill or create some things. These are just additions to me. And that, that just makes me, you know, a little, a little, a l that just makes me have a little more advantage because there's producers like I could, I could produce what some of these young producers can do, but they can't do what I could be. You know, I can make yeah. a, I can make a, I can make a, I can make a nineties dancehall track to make girl wind up themselves from scratch right now in Foodie Loops in five minutes. And it, will, and it will be a hit work, work rhythm, I promise you. Mm -hmm. And then turn around and then make a drill beat that I could give to Fabio Foreign or to Chief Key for one of them Monday, and it would sound authentic. Mm -hmm. yeah. But they can't do that. They can't do that. So like, you know, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just, you know, stick to the boards, you know, and information is everything. Mm -hmm. I've been from information, you know, information, learning, and, you know, just affecting the craft, you know, affecting the craft and just being better at, at what, I, what I have to present, you know. So never stop learning. Yeah, never. You understand? Never. Last, last one I have for you. Last one I have for you. Never amazing stop. journey, amazing conversation, amazing things you're doing. Is there anything you would tell a younger Ricky Blaze about the business right now? Um, if you could look at your younger self and say something, what was it that you would say? No loyalty. Hmm. You know, I was loyal and I did, I just wrote for people who I thought I should have wrote for, you know, mm -hmm. and certain decisions that I should have made, certain things that I should have done, I didn't do it because, you know, of those decisions. 
I'm not blaming nobody for for um for my mistakes and my 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 um my lessons learned. But yeah, that was just the one thing I would tell myself. Like <laughs> no loyalty, like stick to your business and keep it pushing. <laughs> yeah, you do the best. Dude. When we're working, we're working. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Ricky, I knew this conversation was going to be a great conversation, but I yeah, didn't man. know it was going to be so epic, especially somebody like you. Because in my mind, I feel like, especially coming from Canada, I feel like out of Canada, in my mind, I feel like I discovered Ricky Blaze when I went. To New York, and I seen how cut them off was going. And when I came back home, nobody yeah. knew what I was talking about. Not one soul knew what the hell I was talking about. That was one I thing that, like, that was one thing that got me to, you know, like, like Canada not perceiving me. Like, I like that was one place I really wanted to, like, I had one or two fans over there, but like, of course, that was one place I really wanted to, like, you know, I wanted that to be like my second home for like. Yeah, Canada. But again, but this was cut them off. It was that was because I heard because what what I found would cut them off was you see because it was so fast already. If you had played that song too fast, it lost its groove. So Very then true. people wouldn't really understand. And that's what happened. And that's what happened in parties. You know that became a natural. All right. So what happened was when you would listen to the records on on um on um on like Pasa Pasa and DVDs them, it'll be a lot more faster. But then now, so now the dancers them now, they would go and listen to, they, they're not listening to like the mixes, meaning like they're not listening to like the Pasa Pasa mix CDs them and mm -hmm. stuff to hear the song playing that fast. So they'll just go and get the regular version of the song. When they get the regular version, the song is 10 times slower then, mm -hmm. then the speed that they would that they would be dancing to it, which would be fast. <laughs> so my idea was save them the headache and just make the record fast already, so that way mm -hmm. they don't have to worry about trying to speed it up because they don't have that tempo yeah. changer on their CD players or wherever they're playing the record from. You know, so let's just give it to them fast already. So I used to always tell DJs like, "Yo, when you play and cut them off." play at zero don't play it at like don't don't give it any tempo just play it at zero because it's already at that tempo already you know but like a lot of djs they would be mixing other records already at a speed and then they want to catch the mix so they'll just mix it fast and then you'll just super fast and just like Crazy. It, it, it loses that groove yeah, when it it's too the value. Yeah, for sure. yeah, and that's what that's that to me, I found that was one of the things why it wasn't translating over here it's because they were playing it too fast. So they didn't get to understand what it was that you were doing was. with that song. Yeah. Right. Really true. Uh, New York. Yo, I couldn't go nowhere. Like yeah. those years when like I was like, I came with like, we, I had to hide like fans, like people was just like, for like probably like three to four summers back to back. I had them on like a control New York. Mm -hmm. 
humbly that's you know, right. just just have the place have all the kids them anywhere we was at i would be going to parties and pulling up and jumping out the car and walking in and kids is walking away to go home and see me and be like now nah, we're going back in come on let's go ricky just came let's go let's go yeah. this party's about yeah. to get lit yeah you know yeah. You guys, you guys definitely brought that youthful energy, and I remember it was you and the Rolling Stones. So it was like a group. You guys that brought yeah. that excitement and that energy yeah. when you guys stepped into place. Of course, of course. I mean, like brother Tabs, shout out DED, Junior yeah. Prince, First Prince, was cruel. Like anytime we went to any parties, like and people would just be gathering around us, the cameraman them, like. It's beer excitement, beer excitement. And you yes. guys loved it. You guys, you guys knew how to play into it also. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Very true. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Trust so, me. Well, some great times, man. Great times. Yeah, man. I enjoyed them. It's great learning experience. Great times with friends and family. Advice. with so much with so much more to come listen before i get you out of here the floor is yours 100 if there's anything you want to say anything you want to big up leave some social contacts so they could check you out on social media right now before i get you out of here all right yeah man for sure man first thing i want to say big up the two line family thank you most for having me on the show you know what i mean big 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 show big program very informative you know um as far as information and entertainers that like you probably don't hear from or see on a regular basis from your normal like media basis. So big up to Muscle for this platform. Um yeah, follow me on Instagram at Ricky Blaze TV. Um Facebook Ricky Blaze, um, TikTok Ricky Blaze TV and all of those stuff. And uh yeah man, just look out. I got some some new music I'm releasing, some music videos, some new things that we just, yeah, man, we generate a whole new energy, you know, and kind of just like, yeah, continuing off and giving them some more heat now, you know, aligning ourselves in the right way. <laughs> and if you know, you know, you know, like, like, well, and that's the reason you know, I want people to to, to 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 look out for these releases and and go and check them out because put my time and energy in as a creator because I, I wouldn't just say as a producer, as a creator because I arranged these records like very instrumental with it from the music video to the artwork to everything. So, like, you know, I want to get I want to get my fans and supporters and people gather around me. I want to support, I want to give them good quality and good music along with good content to go with it, good dope music videos and all that energy too. So just stay locked in and look out for it. It's coming. Definitely. Listen, since, since we're at the end of the conversation, I could tell them this. Listen, before we sat down today, we were actually vibing yesterday for about three plus hours. And listen, let me tell you guys what this man has coming. Why? I don't think you guys are ready yet. But and listen. Muscle say, and if muscle saying that, because like muscle, they say, they say no hype up on no friend thing. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Muscle is a man that's well respected. He's interviewed some of like, 
the greatest and like you know some, some top icons so this is not no friend kind of thing or no pay thing you know this is just genuine vibes and great energy and you know like yeah i want to share it with the world so thank you muscle for that vibe and yeah it's coming it's coming definitely <laughs> definitely look out for it they're coming but ricky blaze thank you so much for this conversation let me give you an outro and get you out of your ear boss yes my brother bob well ladies and gentlemen this is muscle and this has been another two line music cuts entertainment report podcast and we are out this podcast is brought to you by www.twolinedmusicut.com.